Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harrison. Today, we are breaking down every single Week 10 matchup, as we do every Wednesday here. And by we, I mean myself and none other than PFF's own Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, this is that one stretch of the week where we've talked like three times in the last 36 hours. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I still love you, Ian. I still love you no matter what. I can never get enough Ian Harditz. Feeling is mutual, Dwayne. We're going to test that uh, boundary, you know, the more we work together. <laughs> for now, for now, life and vibes remain good. Let's get after it, people. Uh, Thursday night football. We got the Ravens at the Dolphins. Baltimore sitting at seven and a half point favorites. Game total is at 46 and a half down from 48. So Lamar Jackson, yes, he is absolutely crushing it as a passer this year. Career high marks, big time throw rate and yards per attempt. You love to see it. But I almost think sometimes that we just take this dude's Truly, and I don't use this word lightly, I've on record saying I hate this word, generational rushing ability. Six players this year have 600-plus rushing yards, Dwayne. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott, and you guessed it, Lamar freaking Jackson. He's actually number five in the league in rushing yards since taking over in week 11, 2018, once upon a time. I mean, it's not just that he is one of the best mobile quarterbacks that we've ever seen already. It's like even among the running backs, like all this, you know, I we're not seeing as much Lamar Jackson running back slander this year because he's doing so good as a passer but even when people did that they should have been saying like he's a great running back at least because these numbers are absolutely absurd and you see that in the rates as well so love what we're seeing from Lamar obviously we're continuing to start him each and every week even if there's a fire Dwayne we talked about the running back situation quite a bit on the waiver pod so quick summary of that Devontae Freeman we are feeling pretty good about it if Latavius Murray remains out, that is the crucial question, though. So for now, we're going to hold off on breaking down the Ravens running backs too much because it just purely depends on if Latavius is going to play. That's why every Friday evening we break down all the injuries on the slate. So we'll have more information for you guys later in the week. Final note here is what to do with the wide receivers because obviously Mark Andrews, weekly top five option. Now, what I've liked out of Baltimore recently is they are throwing the ball more, but they're also concentrating the targets a lot more. With Bateman, three games, Marquise Brown has 30 targets, Mark Andrews has 22, and Rashad Bateman has 19. Nobody else is over even six targets during that stretch, so love what we're seeing from that, and that makes all these guys, as long as Sammy Watkins stays out of the picture, high-end fantasy factors. And honestly, man, Maybe we do see Watkins come back and he just isn't a part of the problem. But to your point, when we talked about this again on the waiver wire section, even if Bateman like goes from 80% routes to 60% routes with Watkins and is still the primary guy, that hurts. And it's not going to help, you know, his already fairly low floor as still the number three option in this passing game. So Bateman, I know everyone was hoping last week was going to be the boom week. It almost was, man. He had like drew like a 50-yard pass interference when if a better ball probably has him in the end zone. But it just is dependent on how much we can trust him with whether or not Watkins comes back. So get Hollywood in your wide receiver one ranks. He has earned that top 12 weekly treatment. And even though he is going to be matched up against Xavier Howard, I believe, in shadow coverage and Bateman with Byron Jones, this is still the league's third worst defense defense and PPR points for game allowed to wide receivers. So loving Hollywood, Bateman, keep an eye on Watkins, obviously loving Mark Andrews and Lamar. Now, Dwayne, don't get mad. You got the Dolphins here, but believe me, we're going to find out as we go through who got the worst end of the stick here on this edition of the podcast. It's funny as I don't, I don't mind the Dolphins because we still do have fantasy relevance coming from the team, um, especially right now with it just all being funneled down to Waddle, Gasicki, and 
maybe, maybe just kidding, maybe not kidding. Miles Gaskin, like who knows, who knows, but Hey, what you do have to say about Miles Gaskin, you know, is over these past few weeks, you know, when he hits Ian, he does hit nicely for you. So it's almost worth it. Like if you've got him on the roster and you guys already know this, I mean, you're throwing him in there. I mean, he's had a rank of nine, 35, eight. I know we're probably due for the 35 this week, but you know, he's involved in the passing game. He's out there on plenty of the routes. He's had 55%, 44%, 62%, you know, over the last three weeks, rushing attempts, 58, 57 and 80%. And so it will be another week without Malcolm Brown. Patrick Laird was involved less last week. So Gaskin, I I like, you know, low mid range, low end RB two this week, despite a pretty tough matchup. I mean, this the Ravens, even though they've taken a step back, you know, in defense, they're still pretty tough across the board in all of these matchups. We don't know if we're going to have Tua for this game. Most likely, I would guess that we will. You know, he's got a fracture in that middle finger that ended up keeping him from playing last week. Even though he was listed all week, you know, as limited, you know, as well with was it the hip or the rib in addition to the finger, Ian, last week? I can't remember. I think he's had both of those. Yeah, I think it was a rib and the hip was earlier in the season. So um, with Tua, we'll have to wait and see. He's he's not going to be somebody I'm going to be prioritizing this week. But with the Dolphins, the nice thing is like they throw the ball no matter what. If they're leading, if they're trailing, if they're close, first downs doesn't matter. They like to throw the ball. So that means Tua's always got a puncher's chance. You know, again, not the greatest matchup, but if you're in a situation where we've got, you know, uh, I guess there's not a lot of elite quarterbacks, only really one elite quarterback and it's borderline lead. That's Joe Burrow that's on by this week with the Bengals. Otherwise, you're probably not really hurting from a standpoint of your quarterback spot. But the other two spots are obviously Jalen Waddle and right now and Mike Gusecki. Julia Waddle, um, he's actually got the fifth worst wide receiver strength of schedule um, metric on the week. And so that's not good, but he lines up all over the place. They get him in the slot. They work him underneath. So Waddle kind of is one of these players that it doesn't really matter like who the matchup is Ian. like, obviously the Buffalo matchup, like really got him a few weeks ago. That was tough on him. So there are exceptions to the rule, but overall, like when you get to play in the slot, you get the free releases, all that sort of stuff. And remember Waddle, I talked about it like three or four weeks ago, Ian, like he's second in the league as far as the snap coming when he's in motion meaning he's still moving when the snap happens, which that makes it really tough, tough on a, on a defensive back, especially when you're working a short, a short, like shallow cross, or you're running a little quick out and the DBs having to be on the move, uh, whether it doesn't matter really, whether it's zone or man coverage. So Waddle's a player that will be in my high end wide receiver three this week. Normally he's around the low end wide receiver two, but the matchup's a little tougher. And then you have Mike Gusecki. And I know early last week he did struggle, but he did end up where we need him to be in from utilization perspectives. Like, so it's his routes, the last three weeks, 85%, 98%, 84%. Like you just can't ask more than that. Like in his targets per route run is over 20% for the season. So basically right now, Mike Gusecki, I treat him in as it's a set it and forget it type of thing. Like you've got to have another really good option on your roster. You just got to ride Gusecki. You got to let him roll out there and just see what happens. And more often than not this year, it's been good, not bad. You know I mean? I know the last two weeks it's been a little down, uh, tight end 16, tight end 15, but before that, we had multiple finishes inside the. We had two finishes inside the top three. Uh, it may have been three inside the top five, like over a four-week period. So we know Gasicki's capable, and it's not something where the underlying utilization has eroded. Like it's all still there, and so he's in a good spot. And it's not going anywhere. Devontae Parker, uh, after week eight, got put on IR with the hamstring, and Brian Flores has already come out and said that, that Fuller's out. 
Will Fuller will not be returning. Hate to see it. He had, he had so many I damn errors. Like stories. his first breath in the in the press conference. Will Fuller's out. Any other questions? <laughs> I, I think they're handling it like the uh, you know like the poor grandma in um, Happy Gilmore. Where it's like, oh, your finger hurts. Well, now your back's gonna hurt because you pulled landscaping <laughs> duty. Come on, get Fuller healthy, uh, people. All right, now moving right along. We got the Saints at the Titans. Tennessee sitting as three point favorites. Game total is at forty five, down from forty nine and a half. So literally, you know, we're recording. This on Tuesday afternoon, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time at the moment. Usually I try to check in on the national news headlines just to make sure we're not missing too much as we record this. And just saw one courtesy of the always great Nick Underhill, who was on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast last March, giving us some goodness with the Saints. You can find him at NewOrleans.Football. But per Nick, the Saints tried out three running backs today, and he's been hearing whispers that Alvin Kamara might have gotten a little banged up on Sunday, something to monitor this week. So, yeah, that's absolutely huge news. If Kamara does somehow miss time, which I'm not saying that we should be expecting him to be out, that would elevate Mark Ingram to immediately to a volume-based RB2. So last week, we did see Ingram go ahead and get 14 combined carries and targets, just 36% of the snaps. It was still the Alvin Kamara show as a whole, but yeah, I mean, that's going to completely change things if we happen to lose Kamara, who over the last four weeks, RB5, RB1, RB17, and RB6. So really, with this offense, the way it's operating right now, we have no feel for the wide receivers, the tight ends, even with Adam Troutman starting to flash a little bit more, not quite at the point where we can start him with any level of confidence. So we have Alvin Kamara. If he's out, we'll have Mark Ingram. Otherwise, you just got to kind of cross your fingers that Taysom Hill gets the job back from Trevor Simeon. That's the other uh, big question going in because Sean Payton was non-committal when asked if Trevor Simeon is going to be starting again. He did go on and say that Simeon made quick decisions and he graded out well. Noted the playmakers could have helped him out a little bit more, which, yeah, makes sense. I mean, look at the wide receiver room they're working with right now. But basically, two questions we're going to need to look at now, people. What's Kamara's practice status and will Taysom get the job? Because with Taysom under center, it helps Taysom. It hurts every Everyone, it hurts everyone else. Last year, Kamara with Taysom Hill, RB26, RB39, RB9, and an RB9. You're starting him either way, but it's just more of an expectation thing. And Taysom Hill in those starts, QB3, QB11, QB7, and QB9. Basically, you know, the New Orleans version and Mormon version of Jalen Hurts. So with that in mind, Dwayne, let's talk Titans because we got Julio back. We got AJB finally eating the target share. I do kind of think we're going to see Marshawn Lattimore, who's been playing some great football this year. I think he'll be tracking AJB, but as long as these targets keep coming, man, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with the passing game with Tannehill. Um, in the last three weeks, you got a finish of 12, 8, 14. He's at um, quarterback 12 on the season. This is a tougher matchup for Tannehill, so I'm going to have him outside of probably my top 15. I've got him at 16 right now in my first pass at the ranks. If you look at the quarterback strength of schedule on this one, it is bottom five. And then if you look at the offensive line pass blocking advantage, it's also going to be a bottom five. It's a minus 20 this week. So if you guys want to see those things, you can see them over at PFF. We've got a tool that's around the offensive line and defensive line matchups. And then we also have a strength of schedule metric that you can use and you break out by each position and so both of those really look um, down for Tannehill the positive for Tannehill is we did see even though the 
um, Titans were in a good script. They were leading pretty much the whole game against the Rams. They did still pass a little bit more than what we had seen than what we had seen them do before. So it does appear that they acknowledge the fact that you know Adrian Peterson, Deonta Foreman, um, Jeremy McNichols, probably not the same thing as having Derrick Henry. So I think we're going to see a little bit more passing. I don't think it's going to get too crazy, Ian, because I think they still believe, hey, we want to run the ball to help set up the pass. I think they're firm believers in that. Obviously, Mike Rabel wants to get physical and all those other sort of <laughs> things. Got to establish it. Um, hey, who am I to argue? They came out and freaking punched the Rams right in the face so like i i have nothing bad you know to say about that um as far as the backs just real quick while i'm there before i finish up the passing game there's really not a lot for me to say folks i would not trust this backfield right now if you look at it last week now that could change that could change in the next couple of weeks right we could see one of these backs potentially emerge and be the player that is maybe getting half to 60 percent of the work then in 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 an offense is very willing to run the ball in all scenarios that would be valuable but right now we've got a situation where it's not really a good matchup. And last week we had, from a rushing attempts perspective, 27% to McNichols, 38% to Adrian Peterson, and Deonta Foreman got out there for 19%. Deonta Foreman did blow a block, you know, so who knows what's going to happen with that. But honestly, you know, Ian, going back and watching the game, he didn't have a lot of touches, but he looked better than Peterson. That was Peterson's first game back, but he forced a missed tackle on 20% of the attempts. Yards after contact, 4.2. Peterson was out of two. Um, and then explosive runs. 20% of his runs went for 10 yards or more. Zero of those occurred for Adrian Peterson. And McNichols even got in the act with a couple of explosive plays. So Peterson was kind of lagging behind these guys i think they want peterson to be the back and they're still trying to figure it out but i think i don't know what your thoughts are i'd be happy to let you say something real quick but i think it's just got to step back and kind of let this marinate and see what may happen i really want to avoid this backfield for now mcnichols would be the only one that i'd even feel a little bit okay but we're talking because receptions yeah receptions and that's still like an rb3 territory and it's more so like too just with the matchup this week i mean the saints are literally the best defense in the league in yards and yards allowed uh, before contact per carry one of only five defenses allowing fewer than 20 ppr points per game to opposing backfields like Dwayne, we talked on the waiver pod and everything and i think most people had the same process we figured it was going to be ap early downs mcnichols on pass downs when you throw Deontay Foreman in the mix, like we always say this, we can live with two Jackson RB committees. Down, we get to three or four, <laughs> jacks everything up. Yeah, it's a it's a bottom three matchup on the slate as well. So I guess I, I guess we spent too much long talking about the Titans backfield. But anyway, uh, on to like the bigger story. Yeah, we do have a potential shadow situation, but overall, like AJ Brown, like if we just if there's not a shadow and he's getting equal coverage across these different um, Saints players, it's a 79.5 on the wide receiver cornerback matchup um, tool. So that's actually, that's not great, but that's pretty good. Uh, and like you mentioned, like it's really just more about the targets. And if we look at AJB over the last three weeks, if we look at, you know, routes, targets, targets for, I mean, you name any, like you can name any metric, like, and he's dominating it. Air yards, end zone targets, third and fourth down, play action. It doesn't matter, like all of them. The targets are the biggest thing, 33%, 33%, 42%. He's at 23% on the season despite missing games. The number that tells the better story is targets per route run, 28%. But that number's been over 30% for three weeks in a row. I gave him an upgrade this week, Ian, um, you know, in the utilization report, which hit shelves today. It's sitting out there waiting for you folks to go look at it. Um, but AJB, man, he's, he's, he's in the wide receiver one conversation, man. He just keep pushing his way up. And the thing with Brown is – like, you know he could be the number one wide receiver overall every week. That's the beauty of him. He's a low-end wide receiver 
one, when this offense is leaning into the run so much, so it just kind of hurts his volume a little bit. But, man, if we see a slight peak in that, and if he continues to get these types of targets, because we're used to thinking, hey, AJB, it's really great if he gets 30%. But, like, he's pushing towards 40% in some of these games. So if that continues to occur, like, obviously the floor's there, but the ceiling is what is so appealing with him because he can always break the long one, um, which always means within the range of outcomes is wide receiver number one overall in a week. There is no need to talk about these tight ends. I also kind of, I'm just on the fence, Ian, unless you've got something about Julio Jones, his yards per route run are still over a two um, for the season, which so he's not, you know, that's pretty elite company. There's not a ton of receivers that are going to do that you know, from a year to year basis. But other than that, like he's really just struggled and he doesn't seem to be fully healthy is my guess, even though he's getting through a full week of practice, you know, last week wasn't limited or anything. I feel like they're just not letting us know. Cause like, what good does it do for them to let us know how injured Julio Jones is when they know they're already without Derrick Henry? It's just a target thing. His numbers really on a per route basis aren't any different from the last two years in Atlanta. This isn't prime Julio Jones, but he's still a very good wide receiver, not getting the targets. And to your point, I don't think there's a major reason this week to expect them to boom. I mean, he's like, where where do you think we're ranking him right now? Probably more mid-tier wide receiver three? Yeah, in that, I, yeah, I've got him out of that. I've got him in my wide receiver four territory. I have for a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah. So, but it's, hey, Ian, it's a high-end wide receiver for <laughs> There we go. I appreciate you uh, softly laying that uh, laying that one on me. Bill's oh, that's at- the Ian Harditz bump. He gets the Ian <laughs> Harditz bump. <laughs> Bill's at the Jets. Buffalo sitting as 13-point favorites. Game total at 47.5. As always, you can find my QB predictions for the following week on pff.com on Tuesdays. And for Josh Allen, he's getting the Jameis at this point. He's either going to be a baller or he's going to be pretty horrific. He was a top 10 graded passer in weeks 3, 5, 6, and 8. He ranked 16 or worse in one, two, four, and nine. Like I feel like the Chiefs struggles with Patrick Mahomes have really almost overshadowed how Allen, not quite as severely as Mahomes, but has had quite a big drop off from what we saw last year as well. The difference is that the Bills have the single best defense by far and EPA allowed per play. So we're obviously not seeing this really impact their win loss record too much meltdown against the Jaguars aside. So Josh, we're still putting them out there with confidence as a high-end QB1 because even before Josh became a true real-life world beater in 2020, he was still always a fantasy QB1. Got it. Love that rushing upside. And they might need him more than ever, man, with Zach Moss in the concussion protocol. Now, I've been laughing at some of your tweets about this situation. You are swearing off Zach Moss, Mr. Dwayne McFarlane, even against the Jets' league-worst defense and PPR points per game. I said I need What's an accountability you? partner. I mean, come on. Like, I'm admitting that I am showing weakness. Like, I could want to start him it's the Jets <laughs> oh it is the Jets man and I will say this so looking at Moss if he is out I know on the review pod Sunday night I was saying that Singletary might not get that big of a bump because last couple years we have seen the usage go up and down even without Moss even without Frank Gore past years they would elevate TJ Yeldon now they have Matt Breida to be that guy pal but looking back at it more, as we do throughout the week, this is why we don't set our ranks on Sunday night. I do think Singletary could more or less be that same low-end borderline RB2 that Moss would be if he's active. So in week one this year, with no Zach Moss, we were told it was a healthy scratch, and then they told us it was a hamstring issue. Either way, uh, week one with no Moss, Singletary, 75% snaps, 11 carries, and five targets. Matt Breida, just 12% snaps, four carries, and zero targets. So I do think Moss, if he's out, 
pretty interchangeable with Devin Singletary. Obviously, if Moss is in, Singletary just doesn't have the fantasy-friendly goal line or receiving work to really be a start in most situations. Maybe, just maybe, Dwayne, we get 2020 Week 17 superstar Antonio Williams. I crack up every single time. Uh, shout out Pro Football Reference. They have an awesome uh, stat finder tool so you can like look at fantasy points forever in NFL history. And if you look at it, only five running backs have averaged at least 20 fantasy points per game ever. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Jim Brown, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Antonio Williams, who has played one career game. So maybe they bring Antonio out, but I do think it'll be the Devin Singletary show with Brita as the backup. With the wide receivers, we have started to see it correct itself when Sanders was actually producing more than Stefan Diggs. The problem is Diggs, even from a usage standpoint, he's just not really the same top five talent this year. In terms of expected fantasy points per game, Diggs has the workload of the wide receiver 13, Beasley's wide receiver 27, Sanders wide receiver 31. In terms of actual production, Diggs wide receiver 21, Beasley wide receiver 34, Sanders wide receiver 36. So I think that is probably close to how we should kind Time to start to assess this situation, Dwayne. I mean, Beasley and Sanders, rock-solid wide receiver threes. You're feeling good about starting them because it's the Bills' offense. And as bad as Josh looked last week, we've seen throughout this year that we're going to have, I believe, more ups and downs, especially moving forward. But with Diggs, man, as long as Beasley, Sanders, maybe, maybe a returning Dawson Knox are staying this involved, we probably got to take a little bit of a page out of you know the DJ Moore book, start to treat him as more of an upside wide receiver too. Do you agree, or am I counting out Diggs like a complete idiot? Yeah, man, it's a tough one. I actually was on the couch with Sigmund Bloom earlier today, and Diggs was like one of our topics. And I even asked Sig, I was like, what are you doing with him? Like, Because it's like one of these deals where I feel like we finally have to face reality, and we're just like, look, like he's been in the wide receiver 20s all year. So like, can, do we really keep treat, treating him, you know, like he's a top six and you know, how Sig does, he like goes all big picture on you and we start <laughs> naming off receivers and we're like, okay, would you like these receivers over digs? And we're kind of get to the point like pretty quickly where we're like, no, no, we wouldn't. We still like digs over all these guys. Here's the beauty like for the bills. Now they've been a bit inefficient, like in spots, but again, a team that runs the ball way more than the league average in every single situation. Um, Diggs' routes have been down a little bit, but they run so many plays that it really offsets it. So I do think that Emmanuel Sanders has been, you know, last year we had John Brown hurt. He was out for a lot of the season. This year you haven't had that. So you've had Sanders and you've had Beasley, you know, there. And then you've had Dawson Knox. Now we'll, we'll see if he comes back or not this, this week. But um, it's just been a situation where I think there's more mouths to feed and defenses have got a little bit better against Buffalo. So the efficiency and the big plays aren't quite there. But yes, I do agree that we've got to bump digs down. It's just a matter of like, how far can we yeah. bump it? I think you meant say the Bills pass more in every single situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did I say run? My bad. Yeah. Oh, good, see if you're listening to me. <laughs> there we go. You got me. All right. Now, Dwayne, with the Jets, it looks like Mike White is going to be under center. We got the hilarious, uh, again, Ian Rapport. He does a great job breaking the news. It's just, you know, funny to sometimes see the extra add-ons we get with these tweets. And I think his remark was that, you know, it might help number two overall pick Zach Wilson to sit on the bench and watch for a little bit. So, that aside, it does seem like uh, Mike White is going to be out there after he had the weird nerve injury with his forearm. Dwayne, we were all in on Michael Carter like as a legit RB1, but when you take away Captain Checkdown Mike White, we saw how that went. How confident are you that Michael Carter, in a spot that should feature plenty of negative game script, can get back into good graces of fantasy managers? 
Yeah, I think you just have to roll with it, you know, Ian. I mean, we have to try. I mean, who knows if White can complete the game or not. But, you know, if we look, it's just like you said, the two games before, targets were 21%, 28%, and then they dropped to 4% last week with White getting injured early in the game. And that is a huge component, right, of Carter's value because we know the Jets aren't going to score a lot of points. You know, well, we say that. They have scored a lot of points the last two weeks. But typically, they're not going to score a ton of points. They're not going to score a bunch on the ground specifically. And so knowing those things are potential as, you know, in poker, we think of outs, right? What are all my outs, you know, in a hand, like he, his outs are a little more narrow, but the passing game is a huge component for him. So I'm, I'm going to trust in it. I mean, we've got one bad data point over the last three and we can point to Johnson coming in as being part of it. So I'm going to have him at the top of my tier three, you know, this week, which has got Melvin Gordon, Javonta Williams, um, guys like that, you know, in it. So, I mean, these guys are still in a little bit of a timeshare, but I like, you know, he's got the lead in this timeshare. Ty Johnson, man, PPR ranks 21, 10, and 15 over the last three weeks. It doesn't I mean, make sense. That? He's not even getting enough volume, but, you know, whatever. Ballers it's the gonna targets, ball, man, and he's scoring yeah. touchdowns. It's the touchdowns and the targets. So, I've got, I've got Johnson ranked lower. I've got him down in the bottom of my tier four. So, he's going to be more around like, like running back 38. I'll have Michael Carter. He's going to be borderline – uh, he'll be in my top 24 for the week, but I'm going to have him a little towards the lower end of it just because of what we saw last week. And the matchup, you know, is not great. I mean, and they're implied points at 17.25, like 17 points. That's a really bad. Not implied. great. Not great. <laughs> that's, that's got a bad feeling about this one, Bob. Uh, yeah. So uh, the receivers, Corey Davis should be back this week. Um, Elijah Moore has really, we talked about him yesterday. So if folks want to hear more on the waiver wire podcast, we really broke down Elijah Moore and a lot of cool things about him. And, and while Ian and I like him and we think that he's got talent, like this is a tough spot. Like you get a bottom five matchup for wide receiver strength of schedule. You get a bottom seven or eight matchup for wide receiver cornerback matchup. And you're in a rotation and we don't know for sure what's going to happen now with Corey Davis back. So it's just a situation I want to avoid Elijah Moore. If I can, you know, if you're in a really deep format and he's kind of like your what the heck flex, you know, as a second receiver flex player kind of thing. Okay, that's fine. I, I could I could accept that. And you just kind of hope he makes another big play. I mean, which he has done. I mean, if we look at him over the last few weeks, wide receiver 36, wide receiver 26, and wide receiver one. So, I mean, Elijah Moore has come through on his limited opportunities. This is just a very tough spot for him to try to get it going. And the Jets, they do not have a tight end worth talking about. Yeah, man, I feel like the Jets wide receivers from a snap standpoint, arguably the most like annoying, frustrating situation outside of the Houston running backs, which I hope we don't talk about. Uh, it's, that's actually great parallel. <laughs> it's the Thanks, Houston Dwayne. Texans running backs are the Jets receivers. Like you just nailed it. I do think I, oh, I appreciate you. I do think the uh, Jets with Elijah and hopefully Corey, we could see those targets condensed more so than the workload is hopefully. in Houston, but that's that's a pipe dream at this point. Lions at the Steelers, just an amazing game we got here. Pittsburgh, eight point favorites. They're about to win their fifth straight game, and we're about to talk ourselves into this fraudulent team for the second year in a row. Not PFF. We won't be talking ourselves into them, but yeah, for all for all you uh, non-Steelers fans that are still listening, game total at forty-two down from forty-five and a half. So here's the thing with DeAndre Swift. We saw him before the bye get to play without Jamal Williams. The snaps were great, 71%. We had 12 carries. We had five targets. What happened? He fumbled. 
allowed it to get scoop and scored, and then they did not play him in the usual fourth quarter garbage time. The Jalen Hurts of running backs, if you take away Swift's garbage time, you're not going to get much because truly it has been horrendous for him on the ground. So I see the free Swift, free DeAndre stuff. No, people, we can't do that when the guy is literally the worst running back in the league as a rusher. And I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating here. There's 48 running backs with at least 50 carries. Swift is dead last in PFF rushing grade. Missed tackles for us per carry. Yards after contact per carry and yards per carry alike. Like, this is my thing with statistics. People out there in the world, sometimes they aren't huge fans of PFF grades or passer rating or yards per attempt or yards per carry. And that's fine. I don't think any of those stats are a end-all, be-all. You can just describe a player with this one stat because nothing like that works. But when we have four or five stats all telling us the same thing and you watch the film and you see that Swift is really a different receiver than he is as a runner, I do think that we can start to have some takeaways there. So guess what? It's fantasy football where receptions matter and pretty much nothing else does at running back. So he only trails McCaffrey, Kamara, Derrick Henry, and Najee Harris in expected PPR points this year. We're still going to start DeAndre Swift, but let's chill out on the pushing Jamal Williams completely away because he has been incredibly better than Swift as a true rusher this season. So we're starting Swift with or without Williams coming back from the thigh injury. I would not get behind Jamal Williams in this spot. He's basically turned into a touchdown dependent RB3 in an offense that does not score a lot of touchdowns. Uh, wide receiver we're going to continue to fade. They are not going. Did not. Odo Beckham made it through the waiver claim uh, for you YouTubers out there. I got the Green Bay Packers helmet. Some of us can dream. Hopefully, uh, OBJ ends up in Green Bay, but he will not be in Detroit, thankfully. Leaving us with our last relevant guy, TJ Hawkinson, who, Dwayne, you told everyone to chill the hell out after his three-week downstretch. What's he done since? Ripped off three top ten finishes. So, only tight ends I think you could put ahead of him. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, but he's right there in the tier. If you want to move him up, I won't fight you. Either way, start the man. Also, Dallas Goddard, Mike Jusicki. I'll, I'll give you a small shout-out, but I probably would start Hawkinson over those guys. Now, Dwayne, everyone knows we got Najee, but maybe, just maybe, this is the Deontay Johnson blow-up week that we've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Najee against Detroit, I don't think anybody needs me to say anything else. He's <laughs> the number one back on my board for the week at the very top of tier one. Um, so you're going to get volume and now you're going to get, you know, explosive, like leaky defense. No, not explosive, leaky, something else, but yes, defense. Okay. So Najee Harris is in a good spot, but yeah, maybe it is time for Deontay Harris. I mean, last week we had another good matchup, but this week he gets the perfect wide receiver strength of schedule um, grade on the week, a 10 out of 10 in. Um, so, and Claypool, don't forget Claypool either. I know folks are kind of, I saw a lot on Twitter. It's just not going to happen for Claypool folks. Look like he's out there all the time. Like I know he left the game a little bit, yeah, you know, due to injury, but he's not having to rotate. He's still a good player. Like he's eventually going to score his. It's just you know we have an offense that's not putting up 300 passing yards every game, so it's really kind of a one or the other. But Claypool could have a blow up game at any moment. I still think he needs to be in your wide receiver three conversation. You know he'll be borderline. He'll be just outside my top 24 this week in this matchup. Um, so I really like it. Um, the implied points are nice, you know, for uh, the Pittsburgh side of the ball, <laughs> despite how bad it is for the Lions. So it looks like a, a Pittsburgh onslaught. Um, Pat Fryermuth, if he gets to stay on the field, we don't have Eric Ebron back. And maybe it doesn't even matter. You know, I don't know. But I mean, you know how I am with this stuff. Like Ebron, 
people will bring up, well, Zach Gentry was out there. Well, Zach Gentry's not a receiver. Ebron's a receiving tight end. So it changes the dynamics when it's Firemuth and Ebron, the way they split what they're doing, not just the snaps on the field, but who gets to do what when they're on the field versus when it's Gentry versus Firemuth. So Firemuth this week, though, gets also um, just if you're playing the Lions, you basically get the best matchup <laughs> in every category. So you get another 10 out of 10. And Firemuth, though, he's playing well enough that, like, in the tight end matchup, you know, solution or tool, which is also, it's really designed to look at the player and the defenders they're playing against. When I talk to you about the strength of schedule metric is simply looking at the opponent. Like here's what they look like based on our PFF grades. A lot of things that go into it. We take account injuries, players that are in out all that, but the matchup itself, it, it's also accounting for the offensive players. So it's a little bit of a different view, but it's a plus 50 on the week, which is second best on the slate behind Gronkowski against Washington which is a plus 72, assuming Gronk plays. So Farmer's in a really good spot if we get another week without Eric Ebron. And he seems to be the magnet right now uh, inside the five and in the end zone. And that's also what's hurting Claypool. Claypool still leads the team, you know, on end zone targets for the season, I believe. I have to go back and update it. But right now, Friermuth has been getting a lot of those looks. I hope. I wish that Fryermuth continues to be the lead tight end. I think he deserves that at this point. It's the same thing with Bateman and Watkins, though. Something to monitor, and we need to at least for the first week back adjust our expectations if we do get this to a crowded situation once again. Jaguars at the Colts. Indy sitting as 10-point favorites. Game total down to 47.5 after opening at 51. You know, I've seen some really smart just kind of quote-unquote quarterback whispers, you know, the true film grinders in our football community on Twitter, just posting some stuff from Trevor Lawrence. And the few times that he really does seem to actually put it together, make some of those great throws that we know he's capable of, the guys are letting him down. And it's just really been a hard situation to watch him and really have any major takeaways throughout the entire season. And you look, and a lot of it just isn't his fault. Jacksonville is dead last in PFF receiving grade as a team. 19th in pressure rate, 20th in play action rate, 28th in shift slash motion rate, rate drop rate they are 24 so the receivers have by and large been terrible the offensive line hasn't been great the play calling borderline horrendous so with Lawrence hey if you need him out there we've seen him flash some rushing upside but I would really just prefer to not play anyone from this offense other than our guy James RB1 son who is expected to return this week after missing that game with the heel no more 22 touches for 73 scoreless yards from Carlos Hyde Robinson should be back to be in the bell cow before the injury he had 20 carries and targets in four straight games and my goodness Dwayne, you know everything I just said about DeAndre Swift being a terrible runner the opposite is true for Robinson number one at PFF rushing grade fifth and missed tackles force per carry fifth and yards per carry third and yards after contact per carry look Nick Chubb in my opinion is the best running back in the league this year and you know probably last couple just in terms of him with the ball in his hands so maybe healthy Saquon has something to say about that but we haven't seen that uh, for a good portion of the last two years James Robinson statistically man is starting to work his way at least into that conversation not saying Robinson is better than Chubb I will kill you social media people if you post that but truly he is doing some special stuff and really a largely um, again 
unwinnable. He, he's winning in a situation where nobody else is winning. So hats off to Robinson for that. Despite the tough matchup, despite the potential negative game script, you need to squeeze Robinson in the starting fancy lineups of all shapes and sizes. We talked about Dan Arnold on the waiver pod, and that's really the only pass catcher you can feel good about. Marvin Jones, I think more of a boomer bust wide receiver four at this point. 35 scoreless yards or fewer over the last two weeks. Could have been bigger, wide open for a potential 50-yard bomb. Unfortunately, Lawrence couldn't put it on him. So, again, try to avoid this passing game. Trust James Robinson, Dan Arnold settling in as a real nice low-end borderline tight end one. Dwayne with the Colts, man. Number one running back in the NFL and expected fantasy or points above expectation. None other than Jonathan Taylor. This guy is so damn good, and I am very happy that Marlon Mack seems to be out of the picture. Yeah, man. PPR ranked five, seven, and two over the last three weeks. He's number two in fantasy um, for the season. Missed tackles force per attempt, uh, 0.21 yards after contact on the se- on the season. This is not just an against. Sometimes you see people blow up and have a game like this, like 3.63 on the season. That's way up there. Take care of yourself there, Ian. Don't, <laughs> don't get chucked up. I know. I, I know this data. This data is riveting. Uh, yeah, so I think I just snorted anyway. So explosive <laughs> run rate, 16%, which that's carries of 10 yards or more. So, it, you know, he's just a unique player in like a guy that can make you miss a guy that can truck stick you, you know, a guy that could just outrun you with an angle. You know, he's really got everything going for him. So Taylor is in another great matchup. You know, if you look at the spreads, which is something we always want to look at for running backs, you know, he's on a team that's favored by the second most on the week, 10 and a half implied points of 29 from a running back strength of schedule standpoint. He's got a top five matchup from an offensive line run blocking advantage standpoint. He's got a top six matchup. So Taylor again is in a smash spot in a game where they should lead. Um, Wentz in the passing game, you've got to find a matchup, you know, it's just a matter of like, how much do they really need to throw the ball? You know, because we have seen the Colts be very willing. They get in these games where they're ahead and they're willing just to go 50, 50 and just basically let Carson Wentz drive the bus while, you know, Jonathan Taylor and the running game pushes them down the field and then have him come up with a few key plays. But if he is going to connect with anyone, it will be Michael Pittman and Pittman draws a plus matchup. It's not like an elite matchup, but it's a plus matchup, you know, against the Jaguars. It's a six out of 10 on the wide receiver strength of schedule metric and it's a 59.5 out of 100 on the on the wide receiver cornerback matchup which obviously does take Pittman's skill set into account as well but when you do look at Pittman at this point like he's a like he's 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 the only guy you can really depend on from the Colts offense other than Jonathan Taylor unless you're having to use Winston in in a spot start but Pittman over the last several games you know his his targets per route run have been a little bit all over the place but what I like about him Ian is and it doesn't who knows if this can last, but he is the main target in the offense. But it's like when he does seem to miss, like on having a lot of targets and the game script doesn't work out perfectly for him, he picks it up by scoring touchdowns. And the and the reason that I'm willing to lean into that some is just because he does get targeted so much in the end zone. He's got 27% of those targets on the season. And the other thing is he is the most trusted target for Carson Wentz on the team on third and fourth down. He has collected 40% of Carson Wentz's third and fourth down targets on the season. That is one of the highest in the league in his PPR finishes over the last four weeks, eight, two, and 12. So that's three weeks, but we'll give you a total of seven wide receiver seven right now on the season. I didn't know I would ever be saying Michael Pittman was wide receiver seven this year. And he has yards per route run is over two now, 2.01. So he is just skating by that mark. He's looking really good. Ian. I believe T.Y. Yeah. Okay. 
T.Y. Hilton's still in the concussion protocol. It wouldn't be a huge drop-off for Pittman. You should want to get him in starting lineups either way. But yeah, Dwayne, I mean, when you take away Hilton, when you take away Paris Campbell, when we actually realize that we're getting not the 2017 version of Carson Wentz, but a good version of Wentz nonetheless, yes, Michael Pittman making big things happen and just, you know, looking like a beast in his own right. Love to see it. Second-year leap. Good for you, Michael Pittman. Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Tampa Bay sitting as nine and a half point favorites. Game total at 51 and a half. Tom Brady, man, he just keeps getting better. I don't know how. I don't know why he keeps He doesn't care about too high safeties, Ian. That doesn't seem to bother him like everyone else. Tom Brady's like two, two high safeties. I've seen that. Like I've seen three iterations of that in my life is what he dude, says. Dude, even his check, like his check downs are like mesmerizing sometimes. Like the back, <laughs> the backers like aren't even looking at the ball yet. And he's already got the ball to Lenny Fournette, like five yards down field. But <laughs> yards per attempt, he's up 0.5 from last year. Just a completion rate. He's more accurate. QB rating. Oh yeah. Up 10.2 points. So it really just is ridiculous. And teams can't pressure him. I don't know if they could to begin with. Tampa Bay has our third best offensive line and PFF team pass blocking grade. 2.36 seconds, quickest time to release. Dwayne, I, I was uh, I, I went to beat ups yesterday to like have a beer and eat at like 4 p.m. because I guess I'm a savage sometimes. But anyway, I was chilling there. There's only one other guy at the bar, a couple seats down, and I saw ESPN come up. And the way they advertised the Steelers game, it was Ben Roethlisberger, and it had quickest average release time in the NFL. Like that was the stat they were giving for Big Ben. And I didn't say a word to this guy other than I started bitching about how Roethlisberger only has that stat because he's too terrified to hold the ball and actually take a hit these days. That's not necessarily even the case with Brady. So it's good to have that quickest, that quicker release time when it's not sacrificing your entire offense. We're seeing Brady do that. Ben Roethlisberger, not quite the same. Uh, that's why, you know, Dwayne, you like to remind people, context matters with this sort of stuff. So Brady, Evans, Goblin, Gronk, get them in there. Hopefully Gronk is good after the bye. I would say be careful with Gronk. Hopefully we get Bruce Arians telling us who he actually seems to be actually pretty upfront with us this year. Um, you know, it took about 10 or 15, but we got there with Bruce. Last week, they or two weeks ago, excuse me, they were saying how, you know, more of a emergency usage type uh, player. So if we hear that again, Limited snaps, that's where we can, uh, you know, potentially take our foot off the gas. Otherwise, get Gronk in there because Antonio Brown was still in a walking boot to start the week. So, Tyler Johnson, we've seen it. He's not going to get fed the same way Evans or Godwin, but if you're in a pinch, he's likely available on your waiver wires, and you can do worse than Tom Brady's number three wide receiver if desperate. Final note, look. Washington really has turned into a pass funnel. They're one of eight defenses allowing fewer than four yards per carry. I get it. I wouldn't want to send my running backs at all those first-round defensive linemen either. But it doesn't matter when your quarterback's Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette is just getting fed, man. RB6 and expected PPR points. Hey, you don't need to beat yourself up, people, about missing out on Lenny in the preseason. Just get behind him now because the situation's changed. Last year, it was always Lenny, Rojo, splitting early down work. And we had to worry about what's Giovanni going to add to the situation. At the end of the day, Gio, nothing more than like a pure two-minute scat back that's only going to get ample uh, usage if they happen to fall behind by a lot. Spoiler, not happening often in Tampa Bay in 2021. Rojo is a definitive backup at this point. So Lenny Fournette, week RB1. I don't want to see any start sit questions with him. Get the guy in the lineups. Dwayne, if, if you don't want to talk about the running backs in Washington, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, we've had good positive vibes so far. I don't want to ruin it. 
I feel like I need to, um, but I'll, I'll try to keep it quick. I, I won't talk about the quarterback. How about that? I mean, Taylor Heineke has the second, third worst, sorry, third worst quarterback strength of schedule on the week. So not necessarily a good spot for him, but you know, they are going to trail. He's going to have to chunk it around nine and a half point dogs though. Uh, and only an implied points of 21. So you're kind of stepping out on the ledge there if you want to use Heineke. Um, but as far as the, the backs real quick, um, we did just want to remind people, we did see Jarrett Patterson come on and take a little bit more of a role before the bye week We don't know what's going to happen. This, we can't predict it. Like it's been so weird. They take Antonio Gibson off the injury report. And then this is finally the week we see Jarrett Patterson do something. So we'll see what happens coming out of the bye. but I'm treating Antonio Gibson. Big takeaway here is I'm treating Antonio Gibson as a low end RB two. I actually have him ranked at 26 on the week in. That's right an RB three. So, yeah. So he's really an RB three. So yes, I've got him. I mean, I've got him in a tier right now where basically the cutoff for my RB twos happened. So, Twain, um, Twain, yes, real he, quick. Someone comes to your house and they put a gun up to your head, and you need to pick between Antonio Gibson. Geez, and I hope G- this does not happen to me. <laughs> Someone comes to your house and asks nicely for your fancy advice. We'll go with that. Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. Who scores more points this week? Oh my God! And like my house note is on the line or something. I kind of think it's McKissick at this point. In this game, yes, it is McKissick because they're dogs. McKissick you know? has I four mean, weeks. Four weeks as a top fifteen running back this year. Gibson has one. Yeah, and here's the thing with Gibson. It's not just the utilization anymore. Missed tackles forced per attempt on the season, 9%. That's terrible, Ian. Uh, If you look at his explosive run rate, so those are carries of 10 or more yards, 6% on the season. Like that, I mean, that's actually that's not terrible like that, but it's it's bad. It's bad. It's like not at the very bottom, but it's really bad. So, and he's just not getting used like we want in the passing game. So it is what it is. He's nursing the injury. I hope that he does look healthier, and maybe this week did help him out a little bit. But yes, I agree. Um, you know, I may have to put the bet on J.D. McKissick. I would probably run and get my own gun or something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I would like this situation. I'll be like, do you have another question for me, potentially? Is there another way we could settle this? Uh, Why is this the ultimatum? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Of all things, then they would switch to like Houston running backs, and I would be like, so Logan Thomas is going to be back this week, folks, uh, most likely. So let's see what's going to happen though. Like we have heard some quiet whispers, if you will. Maybe I don't know. Maybe inaudible whispers. I have no clue. Like when I read these things from beat writers, like what that means. But anyway, um, (laughs) we have a situation where he and Ricky Sills Jones both get used. I'm going to approach this like it's Logan Thomas's, you know, role, Ian. Um, but we could get a surprise. So I'm going to rank him a little bit lower than what I normally would um, this week. The matchup's kind of tough, not terrible, but it's definitely below average. And everybody knows about Terry McLaurin. Do you need to know anything else about Terry McLaurin? He has a tough matchup, but it doesn't really matter. Like, um, overall, it's it's average from a wide receiver cornerback matchup. Um, from a wide receiver strength of schedule overall, it's below average, but it's still Terry McLaurin, people. Like, he's going to see, you know, eight to ten targets. He could he could take any one of them long. And remember, he had been nursing, you know, a hamstring, and he had been playing through some of that. Um, he, he was off the injury report the week before the bye, but – I look for him to be healthier coming out of that. So I've got him right now in at wide receiver 17. 
I would really try to avoid playing Logan Thomas for at least a week because RSJ has been good enough that they might take yeah. away that full-time role. So both guys, I, I just looked up to see if there was like a difference in their usage. And spoiler, not really. Ricky Seals, <laughs> 65% of his snaps in the slaughter out wide. Logan Thomas, that's 69%. So Curtis Samuel, maybe someone that's back. Like I don't see a situation where there's enough targets, enough value in production to go around for two tight ends, even if they're both you know, good when asked to do their thing. Browns at the Patriots, New England, now one and a half point favorites, actually opened up with Cleveland as two point faves, game total at 45. So really big news from today, and it's early, so it's Tuesday, they have time, but Nick Chubb, Demetric Felton, even John Kelly, all out with COVID on the IR. Seemingly, at least Chubb and Felton are vaccinated. We've heard that. So they just need to return two negative tests in the span of 24 hours. But we don't know if they're going to be able to do that by Sunday. So if they are all out, yes, Dearness Johnson becomes an immediate plug-and-play RB1. Hey, we're, maybe you put him in the top 15. You're starting the man because we have evidence that they're going to give him over 20 combined carries and targets. And, dude, like, if we take away Felton and even Kelly from this, equation i mean last i saw they're working out brian hill who i actually have enjoyed over the years team preseason but come on like this would be the dearness johnson show he's earned it he's proved he can handle the workload uh previously in that broncos thursday night game we will be all on the three ernest johnson rb1 train if these guys are out if they are good to go nick chubb true upside rb1 season he is averaging 4.6 yards after contact per carry this year only 15 running backs are averaging that per carry let alone after contact truly ridiculous and i would say you know looking at last week and it was a huge game no one's complaining about nick chubb's production but it could have been even bigger man if they weren't just beating the shit out of the Bengals throughout the entire time because the first three quarters we, we had to wonder it was dearness johnson going to kind of just be like a kareem hunt no First three quarters of that game snaps. Nick Chubb, 20. Dearness Johnson, 4. Carries Nick Chubb, 9. Dearness Johnson, 1. Chubb even had both of the targets. So it sucks that when we finally see Nick Chubb get that workhorse RB1 role that we know his talents deserve, he gets put on the COVID list. So heal up. Be safe, you know, Chubb, Felton, Kelly. I, I almost take responsibility, Dwayne. I sent out a, a nice little highlight clip of Felton this morning. That's that's what I do in my life. I cut up plays from Demetric Felton because, hey, he's been fun as a wide receiver. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for that, actually. But, yeah, maybe I gave him a little too much hype, and uh, I don't know what I'm saying. But last thing <laughs> I want to go through here. We know with this passing game, there's not enough volume for us to really get behind these receivers. And even Baker Mayfield, like PFF's number, I think, two highest graded passer from last week. Shout out Justin Fields. That was an awesome Monday night um, performance against the Steelers. But one of the cool things I've noticed in our never-ending cycle to try to see why is Baker so much damn better without OBJ versus with him, I think it could just be... And I know Donovan Peoples-Jones has had a lot of success going downfield, but only, I believe, five targets over 20 yards uh, this season. Baker is in best when he's in rhythm. He's getting the ball out quick, and we can see that with some of these uh, advanced metrics. Baker, in fewer than 2.5 seconds release time, number six in PFF passing grade among 40 quarterbacks, fourth in adjusted completion rate. When he takes more than 2.5 seconds, 24th in PFF passing grade, 28th in adjusted completion rate. So it adds up, man, because... Like, when I'm watching Browns games and Baker really seems to be struggling, it's when he's trying to do the off-script stuff that he could do at Oklahoma, but now when there's NFL DNs chasing him, it doesn't work out so well. Like, we saw it all the time in 2019. Easily Baker's, you know, worst season as a professional. He's gotten better, but yeah, with the problems, I think maybe when he is holding the ball too long, trying to get it 
downfield and not just taking what the play is designed to get. So just something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. Maybe he'll just become a god after 2.5 seconds as well because OBJ is not there. Who knows? Either way, not quite enough volume in this passing game to feel super good about anyone. I think Jarvis Landry, you know, low ceiling, probably low-end wide receiver three. Donovan Peoples-Jones, boomer bust wide receiver four. We talked about him on the waiver pod, and unfortunately the tight ends. If any of Hooper, Najoku, Harrison Bryant could be the featured guy, they'd be a weekly tight end one, but with three tight ends to choose from, we can't get behind any of them in fantasy land. Dwayne, a lot of injuries in this Patriots offense right now. It'll be another situation that we're just going to need to really catch up people on Friday evening. Yeah, I agree. Um, you got Harris and Ramondre Stevenson both dealing with head injuries, so we'll have to see. Um, the matchup isn't really great against Cleveland anyway. It's below average running back strength of schedule. But if if it is just one or the other, I do think Stevenson would step into Harris's role. Um, obviously, if Harris is ready to go, you know, he'll, he'll do his thing. And with Harris, you know what you're getting, you know, Ian. You're going to get probably around 15 attempts and you're going to get a shot at a touchdown. And if it's a really good week, you get a shot at two, but in the weeks where he misses, then that's when you get the PPR 30, the PPR high 20 finishes, but he, he does give you the upside to get into a, a low end RB one, you know, situation. If the game script works out, right. This is, this one should be pretty close uh, between new England and Cleveland. Um, the other one that I will just mention real quick on the receiver side of the ball, like Jacoby Myers just continues to be like, you know, utilization like explains a ton of things Ian, but sometimes it just doesn't matter. Like when you look at Jacoby Myers, if like you just whited out his name, I couldn't see his name. Right. And all I saw was, utilization i would tell you this is a wide receiver too but it's not this is a wide receiver four <laughs> it's a mirage right you know he's wide receiver 38 on the season um the last few weeks have been really painful for jacoby right he's been ppr 38 57 82 yards per route run aren't very good at a 1.39 um catchable passes 72 percent, just slightly below the league average for receivers four percent but if you look at these targets right uh you know on the season he's over 24 percent of the targets 22 percent targets per route run routes 94 percent. so he's out there he's getting targeted but he just can't get anything going so with Myers he's a player that this week you know I've got at wide receiver 41 right now in my first pass at the rankings if you're looking at tight ends this is a week where I would just kind of steer clear every once in a while you know we'll throw out a recommendation hey if you need to throw Hunter Henry in there and he's come through you know he's tied in eight believe it or not on the season he was wide he was tied in 11 last week but when we look at Henry this week, it is a tough matchup. Tight end strength of schedule is a 1.9, which is the second worst on the slate. And his individual matchups are not very good either. So I'm going to try to avoid the New England Patriots uh, tight end situation. Henry has five touchdowns in his last six games, even though he's only had more than five targets in one of those games. Quickly on Jacoby, shout out to a sleeper fantasy uh, fantastic app I think they have some of the best customizable options um, out of anyone out there not an ad I just enjoy sleeper and their social media game isn't bad that either they sent a, a meme out where it's a guy like you know in a hospital bed and the nurse is saying sir you've been in a coma for a little over two years and the guy responds oh boy can't wait to see how many touchdowns that undrafted free agent from NC State has for the Patriots answer zero one day Jacoby maybe I don't know at this point Falcons at the Cowboys, Dallas, eight and a half point favorites. Clearly Vegas not worried about the stinker last week. Game total up to 55 after opening at 51 and a half. Dwayne, proudest moment of maybe my life, at least my uh, fantasy sports career. I look 
and I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, everyone, I've been bad about answering my DMs during the season. I will try to make more time in the future. It's just something I haven't been great at. I would love to answer all your start sick questions. Just difficult. Favorite DM I've ever gotten from Cordero Patterson, who just wanted to let me know he appreciates the support, boss. I appreciate you, Cordero Patterson. And I will continue being the president of your fan club awesome. until the end of time. I, I was just giddy all day, man. Just smile. I came on the podcast, I had a big smile on my face. It's been like that all day long. So appreciate you, CPAT. We'll continue to just, I don't know, not even, it's not propaganda. The dude is one of the best players in the NFL. And I love to see it. Only Debo Samuel has more yards per out run than Cordero Patterson this year. It's just ridiculous, man. The running stuff, okay, hasn't been completely great, but it hasn't for Mike Davis either. This receiving work has what is what has made him a cheat code in fantasy land, and particularly when they use him as a wide receiver. Fancy that. The guy you drafted as a wide receiver is pretty good when you still decide to throw him the ball out there. 3.3 yards per out run in the slaughter out wide. Among running backs, the next closest guy to that is Tony Pollard at one2 Two, three, over two yards more per route run than the next closest running back as a receiver. Absolutely love it. Continue to get Patterson in the fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. Then we got Kyle Pitts, who, yeah, we're once again starting with confidence. Just like Dwayne, we weren't worried after the slow start of the year before we got that tight end three and tight end two performance. I'm not worried now after two stinkers. So, really, Kelsey, Waller, probably Andrews, maybe Kittle. Top five, top six, whatever. Start the man. He's going to make more big plays down the road. Can't get behind the wide receivers as long as Calvin Ridley is out. Zacchaeus, great game last week. Gage, you know, did his thing a couple of weeks ago. So it's just too low of a floor for everyone involved. Maybe take a shot um, on these guys in DFS. You know, Andrew Erickson and myself always do that pod um, for you guys to hear on Fridays every single week. But in terms of season long, just too low of a floor, too much randomness going on. Tajay Sharp could be the lead guy one week. We just don't. Know so Cordero and Kyle Pitts, and we're feeling good. Dwayne and I talked about Matt Ryan also being a pretty good uh, streaming option this week, but someone that I would take Carson Wentz, and if he starts, Taysom Hill over relative to most of the available streamers out there. Dwayne, Cowboys stinker last week. I'm inclined just to forget it. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, I mean, look, the Cowboys have too many things too many good things going on. If you go back and you really just watch the game, like there were some weird like mojo moments, you know, I know that's was Mike McCarthy's big thing. They did not in, in hard knocks. They did not win the mojo moments yesterday <laughs> or this weekend Ian. like coming out and getting, you know, stonewalled on two fourth downs to start the game, giving the ball over to Denver, you know, in a good situation. And really they just set themselves up to let Denver what they do, what they're best at. Right. Which is really, if they get a chance to get ahead and if they could run the ball, like we haven't seen the Broncos actually get that strip. And that's somewhere where the Cowboys are weak. They're really built to be a pass rush team to play from ahead, to try to create havoc with, you know, smaller, faster, you know, very athletic type players, right? But they're not really built, you know, to stop the run, if you will. So it really just got into a situation where you also had Dak Rusty coming off the calf injury, missing some of these big plays. And then like the block punt, like that was just the wildest thing ever, right? To block a punt, then have it go off your player and the offense oh gets God. to pick up and advance it. Like, and that's at the beginning of the second half with a chance to try to swing things. So Dallas, you know, when you go back and you break it down, there was just a lot of instances where they just basically played, not to say Denver didn't play good. They, Denver did their thing, right? They took the situations that Dallas gave them and they capitalized on them. So you have to give them props for that. And the Cowboys yes, had two, what, two, fourth down conversions fail in the first quarter. Like it yes. was a weird game. From first the start. two drives. Yeah. First two drives. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, it's, and it just sets Denver up in a great spot and Denver did execute on it. Right. You know? Um, so you got to give them like, like I said, props, but as far as the Cowboys go, yeah. Like I'm just, I'm throwing, I'm throwing this one out. Um, I am going to keep an eye on Amari Cooper though. Right. You know, they really didn't want to use him throughout the game. He was at 59% of the routes. He practiced all week. He had pulled the hamstring the week before, right. In the game where Cooper rush started against the Vikings. Um, and it was obviously he was not doing well during the game. Now Amari's, uh, you know, he's going to be out there right he's not one that's going to miss a game like he has to really be hurt but he's also one of these players that you know it's he's not going to give he's not going to give you the upside he normally would when he's hurt because he can't let it all hang out and really so like the part of of Mari's game that you're not going to see is like catching a slant right and taking it for 40 yards for a touchdown like that's probably not going to be in play this week and we'll keep an eye on the injury report like you said we'll come back on Fridays and we'll hit on these but Cooper, I am going to have ranked a little bit lower this week. I'll probably have him borderline uh, wide receiver two, might be a high-end wide receiver three. Right now, I got him at the bottom of my wide receiver two tier. The matchup's average wide receiver strength of schedule. It is a plus matchup, wide receiver cornerback matchup, but that doesn't take into account Amari's injury, right? So you got you to discount that a little bit. So Lamb is really the player that I'm more excited about. Let's see what happens with him this week. You know, he did have a rolled ankle that occurred Wednesday in practice late. He didn't practice Thursday, came back and did practice on Friday and did play in the game. He was out there for 70% of the snaps. So they also curtailed his, and we are going to get Michael Gallup back this week, but Lamb is the player that I'm looking to the most. We'll have to keep an eye on the injury report. Um, it's a 74 on the wide receiver cornerback matchup this week. So that's above average. That's that's a good spot for someone like Lamb and 32 points, right? The Cowboys do have the number one implied odds on the slate. So Dak is also in play. You know, if you look at him this week, um, he did not look good last week. That that may be the worst game I've I've seen from Dak in his career. Look, and it happens. It happens to everybody. His accuracy was just off. I mean, you highlighted on the Sunday night recap, like the, the throws that he missed to CD. CD Lamb last oh. week finished as wide receiver 62. He could have finished in the top five. Like could have finished one, a, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a huge swing in what could have happened for Lamb last week. So you guys don't, don't fret on that. You know, you're just going to roll him back out there again. But as far as Dak, I mean, looking at – you know, looking at him, I've got him as my quarterback number five right now, Ian, on the slate. You know, I've got Jackson first, Allen second, Brady. I probably need to move Brady to second, Allen to third, but whatever. Those are your top three. And then I've got the next tier. It's kind of jumbled, right? I got, I've got Prescott. I got Mahomes. I got Herbert. You got Kyler Murray. We don't know what's up with him. We got Russell Wilson. You got Stafford. They're all kind of there together. I got to kind of work through that. But they all have decent matchups. They're all, they've all got decent implied points. So I haven't like really like split hairs on those guys yet. But the bottom line is Prescott's probably going to be in my top eight for sure in my top 10, but I've got him at five right now. Um, and then as far as tight ends, Schultz last week, we mentioned this, so I won't, I won't spend a lot of time on it, but the routes were um, way up last week, 91% with Blake Jarwin out of the game. Now you are getting Michael Gallup back, right? And we have seen the targets per route run. That's the problem, have fallen for Schultz. What he was living on early in the season, and this is how football goes sometimes. Early in the season, you're like, how's, how's this How's this tight end who's only out there for 60% of snaps and you're dealing with freaking you know, Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and they're running the ball and he's leading the team? Well, it's because his targets per route run were nuts. And I said earlier in the season, there's no way he sustains targets per route run of up in the 30% range. I like Dalton Schultz, but he is not that good. Like, he's not that good of a player. 
And so now that's really come down. So while his routes have gone up, the targets per route run have dropped. You also have defenses. They happen to watch film on these guys, right? And once you get three or four weeks on you, they start to try to learn what are the things that you like to do. They try to take it away. So Dalton Schultz probably running into a little bit of that for his first time, you know, in his NFL career, we probably actually has some defenses starting to scheme for him because of how much work he was getting, you know, from like weeks four through seven uh, or weeks. Well, that was a bye week week seven but the weeks, you know, four through eight. So that's something to just kind of keep an eye on, but the routes were there. So Dalton Schultz will be in my top 12. I, what do I have him right now? Sorry. Dalton Schultz. I've got as my tight eight. end. I've got him at nine ah. right now, man. There's just some, man, we, it, this is what a, what a year for tight ends. People bitch every year about tight ends. <laughs> do not bitch to me about tight ends this year. Kelsey Pitts, Waller, Kittle's back. Andrews is going nuts. TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard getting over 30% of the targets. Our guy Jasicki. Mike Jasicki. Like this, dude, I've never had a list that long of tight ends where I'm like, any one of these guys could be tied in one this week. And it's not just because they catch one touchdown. Like these guys, I, I will rank several of these guys over ahead of a lot of the receivers this week. I can't wait to see which uh, bust of a late-round tight end I fall for next year. But at least we got a bunch of guys going off. Real quickly, with Michael Gallup coming back, I mean, the usage in week one, seven targets on just 60% of the offensive snaps, and they were using Gallup almost interchangeably alongside Cooper and CD in terms of just – They were rotating, them all. Yep. Right. Are we fine treating him as a wide receiver three right away? Because they have been. Okay. We want to wait a week. I'm not, but, but it could happen. Like it's in the range of outcomes. So because they, they've been you know, pretty just, deliberate about bringing him back. Like they haven't rushed him. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would expect he's fully healthy, but it's, I would think it's more of a timing and just getting everything back right in sync with the offense. The other thing I don't know, and this could affect everyone is Seth Wilson's played really good. So like, is, is it all of a sudden going to be a four, you know, person no. rotation you know so it's just it there's a lot of things that could happen this weekend with dallas like none of them are going to affect that prescott badly none of them are going to affect affect you know the running backs you know in a negative way but it will be interesting to see what happens with Gallup. you know it's good for dallas as a team right i mean this is an improvement this is a receiver that you know we know is going to be a highly sought after free agent this year and he'll hopefully you know he'll get to go somewhere where he can truly be featured you know he just happened to be in a situation where you got two other studs and you know it's not really his fault um, real quick on the backs ezekiel elliott you know he did bang his knee so he had a knee contusion Mike McCarthy has said he expects Zeke will be fine this week. We'll have to keep an eye on practice participation. We'll talk about that on Friday on the injury podcast. Um, but right now, Ian, like, wow, what a matchup. If you look at his running back strength of schedule um, for the week, it is the fourth best. If you look, and so this goes for Pollard too. Offensive line run blocking advantage is a 75 overall. Ooh. It is the number one, honestly, against the Falcons. You know, again, 32-point implied odds and a nine-point favorite. Like, that is, like, the perfect line for a running back. Heavy favorite, big implied points. You got mismatches across the board. Um, so, Zeke, you know, if he's fully healthy, like, could be – he and Pollard both could be in really big spots this week. Right now, I've got Zeke at running back 10. And that's just because, like, we've got James Connors going to be on his own. You got Dalvin Cook. You got Christian McCaffrey back in the mix. Like, two weeks ago, Elliott would have been, like, eight right in this matchup right now he's sitting at 10 yeah and i'm sure if people wanted to put him up at six or seven it's not egregious you're starting him you could either way. you could do it 
Panthers at the Cardinals. Arizona sitting as nine and a half point favorites. A lot of big faves this week. Uh, game total is at 44, down from 49 and a half. Obviously, a little bit of uncertainty here whether or not Kyler will be back. You would like to think him and Hopkins will be good after getting the week off, but we shall see. On the Panthers side of the ball, Sam Darnold. Dealing with a shoulder injury, hope Sam gets better or just, you know, plays better because it has been ridiculously bad this year. Nobody has a lower catchable pass rate than the Panthers when the intended target has been deemed open or wide open. Sheesh. DJ Moore, you know, we've said this now. Last week was the straw that broke DJ Moore's back. We now need to get back to treating him as a wide receiver, too, who has wide receiver one usage. He's a great player. He'll have a pop-off game here. But, you know, the stretch we saw to start the season, it's just going to be hard for him to be that consistent, particularly now at Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall healthy. Robbie, claps to Robbie for freaking out on, on the sideline with Darnold, man. Like, he is just so tired of this dude. And I am, too, Robbie. So I, I hear you there, man. I'm doing, the, I'm doing the same thing Robbie's doing in my living room as I'm watching these Panthers games. So get DJ Moore in there. That's it from the passing game. But at least people, Christian McCaffrey, the fantasy god, the guy with the most PPR points. I know your mom game. thought James Conner was fast. Did she also look at Sam Darnold and say, that guy really sucks, Ian? I need to get Cindy's opinion on Donald here before the next episode. Christian McCaffrey, like, it really is wild. Last week, we did see the limited snaps, the pitch count that we expected. Still ended up being 18 combined carries and targets. So, wasn't, you know, used just completely behind Abdullah or Chuba by any stretch of the imagination. He finished as the PPR RB15. That's his worst finish in a game where he just wasn't injured early since week two, 2019. RB15. Like it's, it's in, the floor he has is truly insane. And like I was saying, most PPR points per game among any running back ever, more than Jim Brown, more than Antonio Williams, more than all the GOATs. So, yes, the Cardinals, seventh best defense and PPR points to RBs. What do we always say about matchups, though, people? They're a tiebreaker, particularly for someone like McCaffrey. I would also note that, you know, when you do look at these defenses and their PPR, our points allowed similar to our reasoning for getting behind Damian Harris last week obviously the injury stopped him from having a bigger game but you know you want to look and see like okay are they shutting down running backs because they're good at stopping the receptions or because they're good at you know crowding the line of scrimmage obviously for McCaffrey we would want a maybe a stout run D but they're not good at covering the guys and that is what we have in Arizona bottom 10 defense in both receptions and receiving yards to running backs so you're still starting DJ Moore unless you're in one of these stacked 16 team leagues that people still manage to show me uh, from time to time and obviously get CMC out there. You know, if you don't want to rank him as number one, you better be ranking him number two, number three at the position at the absolute lowest. Dwayne, Cardinals, it's, you know, a lot of injuries uh, this week that we're going to need to see what happens, but at least, I'm, you know, I'm not thrilled about it. I wish Chase Evans was healthy, but man, James Conner, where do you have him ranked? Because you said ahead of Zeke. We talking legit top eight? I've got him number five right now. Sheesh. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, his utilization last week, 77% of the snaps, 55% of the rushing attempts, 72% of the routes, that's that's pretty big. 19% um, of the targets, so he basically took over. If you remember early in the season, Chase Evans was a top two back every week, right, in targets per route run. He was a top two back in target, or top three in targets. And so Connor really did just kind of slip into playing, you know, 
that role plus the role he had had before. Are they different players? Yeah, but they're right now using them, you know, in a similar fashion. You know, his A dot, you know, he's not working down the field, obviously, quite as much as you would see like a Chase Edmonds who will run more angle routes, wheel routes, things like that. You know, so it was really more kind of swing pass behind the line of scrimmage stuff. But as long as they're willing to get him involved, that could change a little bit, right? When you get when you get Murray back. But I think right now Murray's not going to be in any rush, you know, Ian, to really try to use his legs. We've seen Murray in the past when he's hurt. He will get away from the scrambles. They will get away from the design rushing attempts. And so I expect this week, if we do see Murray, it will be more of a traditional pocket passer. Sure, if he has to use his wills a little bit, he probably will. But I think that keeps James Conner in play, you know, out of the backfield as far as, you know, a check down option. The other, you know, injury we've got to watch, you know, besides Kyler Murray, Oh, real quick on Connor, like the matchup. The matchup is on top of all that utilization. Like when you get the matchup plus the utilization, like that's really where the magic happens. And he's got a top five running back strength of schedule score and then offensive line run blocking advantage. He's got a top eight. So Connor's in a great spot. Going to see a lot of, going to see a lot of work in a really good matchup and they're favored by 10. So by the fourth quarter, like if it's, you know, a situation where it's a complete blowout, you know, we could see a little more of, Eno Benjamin, but up until that point, like, you know, Connor's played that role already for the team. He's been the closer before for, for, uh, you know, the Cardinals. So will we see another three touchdown game? I don't know, but like when I look at, you know, the matchup and I look at his utilization, like, he could have that kind of upside this week, you know, against the Panthers. So we'll see what happens. The other injury we've got to watch for is obviously DeAndre Hopkins. Didn't play last week with a hamstring. He didn't practice all week. So we'll get our first data point on that really tomorrow. We'll see what it looks like. You know, does he get a practice in? Is he limited? What happens? Um, but if he is out, like Christian Kirk last week, wow, he really stepped up. Now we will get A.J. Green back. He missed last week due to COVID. So we'll probably see a little bit of this go away from Kirk. Um, but it was nice to see him get to lead the team. Ian, he was out there for 97% uh, of the routes, 23% target share, wide receiver 15 on the week. He was 45% of the team's air yards last week with Colt McCoy under center. So it's pretty clear that like Colt McCoy, very comfortable with Christian Kirk. If we have to see Colt McCoy play again, I don't know if we can say that for AJ Green. Some of these others we'll have to see. Uh, Ron L. Moore was out there for 88% of the routes last week. That will go down with AJ Brown back. But again, more just like what we talked about with, um, you know, Dalton Schultz earlier on the Cowboys, like as his participation has gone up in routes, like we've seen his targets per route run go down early in the season. We were seeing that number up in the 30% range. And that's why he was able to have these kind of funny little spike weeks, right. Where he would really perform well. Well, now over these last few weeks as, and it's, it's not, he's not seeing huge routes before week nine, you know, he had been out there for 54%, then 49% of the team's passing plays. But last week, like I said, up to 88%, but his targets per route run are not bad. Like they're but at 19%. If you're only out there half the plays, like, you folks can kind of do your own math. Like that's, that's not a lot. And this is for a, this is for a receiver that really has to do a lot of the work on his own because his targets are all around the line of scrimmage. Like his a dot, you know, for the season right now for Rondell Moore is 1.2. Oh so God. essentially this is, and I think we meant, I think I even used this one the other night on the, on the recap pod. Like it's, it's, that's the Debo Samuel role is what he's playing, but he's getting about half the snaps. So and when I say Debo Samuel from last year, not this year's obviously yeah. Debo Samuel, who's working all over the field and just crushing folks. Um, Zach Ertz did see more routes last week, and I think that will be interesting to see if that really continues. Um, I'm not sure it does if we have everybody else back healthy, but it's something we can keep an eye on. I've got him as a high-end tight end two. You can call him a low-end tight end one. It's a crowded tight end crop this week. 
folks. Like there's a lot of good plays at tight end, um, you know, for week 10. So Ertz probably will end up being just outside my top 12 this week. Hopkins, if he plays, I'm going to be a little more cautious with him, Ian, you know, so I'll probably have him as a low end wide receiver two or high end wide receiver three. It looks like Ertz's usage was purely playing more slot because Kirk obviously usually is in the yes, slot. He, did. he was out wide last week, and that led Ertz having 31 snaps in the slot, had just 19 and 9 the two previous weeks. So, so I expect that to go back when they're fully ramped up. That, that's okay. going to go down. Only other thing I'll add is uh, how dare you for having a Freudian slip and saying A.J. Brown when he meant to say A.J. Green. Oh, my God. It's going to take me a while Uh, to get over that one, Dwayne. A.J. Green was was a badass for a very long time. This is very true. Long live Bengals, A.J. Green. Vikings at the Chargers. LAC sitting as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Got the wrong color. (laughs) Game totals at 52, up from 48-and-a-half. Kirk Cousins, your highest-graded quarterback, went kept clean among all starters this year, but he has the single largest difference now in yards per attempt when he's kept clean versus pressured. Geno Smith technically has the largest. Now Russell Wilson is back, so I can get away with small stats like that. And the Chargers this year, we know Joey Bosa is a beast, but just 24th in pressure rate, only 21st in quick pressure rate, which helps account for, you know, guys scrambling around, just pressures in two and a half or fewer seconds. So maybe, man, could be a sneaky shootout. And I was all over the Kirk Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, Stack, and DFS last week. Ravens ended up just really controlling the ball. We had a kick return touchdown. Just wasn't enough volume for Kirk and company. We saw them get up a little bit, be able to run the ball a little bit more than usual. But maybe this week against Justin Herbert and company, we do see Jefferson, I don't know, Dwayne, get a decent amount of targets. Nine targets over the last two weeks combined for Justin Jefferson. That should be illegal in all 50 states. Two weeks in a row where he was off out the gate, too. Like, looking great. And then all of a sudden, the second half, it's like, ah, just kidding. They need to attack the secondary because there's a chance the Chargers are down both Asante Samuel Jr. and Michael Davis. Yeah, you don't have your top two corners. Maybe just maybe throw the ball to one of the best wide receivers in the league. And Adam Thielen as well. Not trying to take anything away from one of the most consistent and efficient red zone threats in the NFL at the moment. So you should be feeling pretty good about all these guys. I get it, Kirk Cousins. Like he's definitely not supplied the weekly QB1 goodness that we were relying on him for during the first six, seven weeks of the year. I still think he possesses weekly three touchdown passing upside. And this could be a sneaky spot to again go back to well in. DFS. Now, with Dalvin Cook, you're starting him regardless. Can he get to where we draft him to be, though, as the number two player? I think so. Week 10, obviously this week, Chargers are 26 in PPR points per game allowed to running backs. Then we get the Packers, who are 14th, but you look beneath the surface, and they're actually quite a bit worse defending the run. 49ers 21st, and then the Lions 31st over the next four weeks. So he actually does have career-low marks in PFF rushing grade and yards after contact per carry. But, Dwayne, I mean, last week, I think he looked even more vintage than ever before. We saw him in the Cowboys game and the week even before that, before their bye, start to really uh, not break off long runs, but he was getting closer. And last week, he actually had that 66-yard run reversing field, looking like the Dalvin we all know and love. So, continue to go the well with Dalvin Cook. Obviously, Alexander Madison, top-tier handcuff that just has no standalone value for the time being. And with Tyler Conklin, we can feel pretty good about this matchup as well. Discussed him on the waiver pod. He is an upside tight end, too, against the Chargers' bottom three defense again tight ends 
Now, Dwayne, our guy Mike Williams, he's been a little bit inconsistent lately. He's been dudding far more than we would like. He had the great 45, 46-yard catch last week, but just three games now where we haven't seen him put up the sort of high-end numbers we were getting used to seeing during the first month. You aren't worried, and I love it. Tell the people why. Yeah, and I was having this conversation on Twitter earlier. Um, Jared um, Smola from Draft Sharks did mention that on the broadcast, because typically I watch the 22, or honestly, I just mute the broadcasters. I should probably listen to them more since, Ian, you have told me that I have to handle all pronunciations from here on out. Like, that across the bear. That, it might help me with that duty. But uh, looking at Williams, you know, there is a, you know, they did mention that the broadcast team didn't have details, but basically said, look, his knee just still isn't all the way right. So that's actually an encouraging thing for me, because if it means he's just still trying to get back truly, you know, to form from a health perspective, and it's not something else where the scheme has changed, because that's what I was digging into. I was like, what has changed? Like, is it just a dot way higher? And his a dot is a little higher, but it's not like it was astronaut astronomically higher, right? It's not like he was back to being like, a, you know, an 18.0 a dot like what we've seen in the past with Mike Williams. He was still working, you know, maybe not at the 10.9 we had seen early in the season, but more like a 13, but that's still, you know, that isn't a huge change. So I didn't see something there. If you look at the routes, he's still out there plenty, 88%, 91%. What's happened is targets per route run have just gone down since the injury. He's down to 12% and 14% over the last two weeks, but he's at 23% over the season. So I think this is just something where I put out a buy low in the utilization report today, just because it's a player that one is playing an offense that likes to throw the ball all the time. They throw the ball more than, than the NFL in every single situation. You've got an ascending quarterback in Justin Herbert. And so it's an offense that they can support multiple mouths and like they can, they can help everyone eat. Like it doesn't matter if it needs to be Eckler and you want to feed Keenan and you want to fill, feed Mike Williams. Like all three of those players can eat in this offense right now. The tight ends have been getting a little bit like, They've been stealing some of the thunder. Like it's like it's either Jared Cook or Steven Anderson or Donald Parham every week. One of them is catching a touchdown. Justin Herbert definitely likes his tight ends. But Mike Williams, if you look at him on the season, 39% of the end zone targets, which is by far in first place on the team. Next is Keenan Allen at 17%. So Williams is just really in a good spot. I think he's a buy low this week. Um, I've got him sitting at wide receiver 22, you know, um, but I'm not, again, I haven't fully finished with these ranks. It wouldn't surprise me if I bump him up a couple, like I already see right now, there's a couple names that I've got him below that I'll probably end up pushing him above. But I think, you know, mid range wide receiver two is still where I think you can feel safe ranking him, but I think he still always carries that upside of hitting on the wide receiver, you know, top five each week because he can come up with these big plays. He's also highly utilized down around the end zone. So I'm totally in on Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, you know, we put out the buy low. I think you did. I know I did. Um, multiple weeks leading up to last week, you know, and really it's been the last two weeks. He's finished as wide receiver 15 and wide receiver three. But, man, Ian, the targets are flowing for Keenan Allen, 33% and 35% over the last two games. Air yards, 38%, 37%. Third and fourth down, like tractor beam locked on, 40% and 56% of targets. When Justin Herbert needs something, He's definitely looking to Keenan Allen right now. So, and that's another good thing, really, honestly, for Mike Williams. You know, the other part is defenses could just be spending more of their resources on Williams after what he did early in the season. And now you got Keenan Allen starting to pop off. Well, what does that mean? Eventually these things balance out. I think this is an offense that can be more balanced. The tight ends have just kind of gotten to a point, Ian, where I don't think we can use any of them. One of them, like I said, is going to score, but it's gotten now where even Jared Cook's routes are getting so low because they're using, you know, three guys. And Donald Parham is a good player. Like he's really flashed, 
you know, um, for two seasons now, obviously, you know, two and a half, if you want to go back, you know, to the AFFL, like, he yes, was, we will XFL, yeah. but who's counting. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So I knew it was one of those Parham was really good, you know, in that league. So from a situation with the tight ends, like Jared cooks in a void for me at this point, but yeah, you're going to light up Keenan. You're going to light up Mike Allen and Mike Williams. Look at me messing it all up in, in Austin Eckler. Like nobody needs me to talk about Austin Eckler, like Austin Eckler. The only thing I'm going to say about Eckler, like, as I just had to go look like, you know, where is this guy? Like in, in, from a standpoint of like, comparing to like his career high. So right now he's on pace for 9% more snaps than he's ever had in a season. And man, Ian, he's on pace for an 18%, you know, increase from his largest rushing attempts, you know, from a share standpoint for a team in the season, he's at, he's on pace for 55% of the team rushing attempts, which that was really our big question, right? We knew Austin Eckler was going to be involved in the passing game. That was never, ever in doubt. In fact, like his targets per route run are a little lower than what they have been in previous years. But what we couldn't foresee would, would they truly be willing to give this guy over half the touches on the ground? And they have been. And that's why he ranks consistently in the top three running backs every week. I have him as running back two this week. I've got Harris one, Eckler two, and Jonathan Taylor three. You can start any one of those three players and you're going to love it. Austin Eckler this year already has six carries inside the five-yard line, had nine total carries inside the five in 2019 and 2020 combined love to see it it's not like i almost hate the idea of having this like big bruising back if you're james connor you can score every time that's fine but let's spread it out the goal line like we don't need to bring in three tight ends in the fullback every single time you want to run the ball inside the five just some food for thought final note on mike williams i heard them talk about when he had the knee issue and that was actually when darius slay did a great job back-to-back goal line plays and wasn't able uh, to get the ball to mike williams i would just say when we look at his overall usage man last two weeks since they're by he's played 90 percent 83 percent of the snaps like he only hit over 80 percent once in the first six yeah. weeks of the year so okay maybe he's not at 100 percent. but as long as his usage is the same man and we're not seeing any true like watching him i don't think he looks like significantly worse like or banged up out there today yeah against the ravens when he only played 20 total snaps you could tell but yeah please for the love of god people against the vikings of all teams go back to the well with mike this week Four more matchups to get through. We got the Seahawks at the Packers, Green Bay, three and a half point favorites down from five points. Game total at 49 and a half. We got Russell Wilson back in action, and we got Aaron Rodgers tentatively expected to be back. He said in one of his McAfee interviews today that I believe there's a chance he doesn't play, but as long as he's able to get his negative COVID test in Saturday, LaFleur has already said he will be back under center. So with Seattle, backfield, we'll see. Chris Carson, you know. Pete Carroll called him day-to-day about a month ago. He's been on the IR. Apparently wants to return to practice. It's a neck injury. I could see Chris Carson playing this week and having 20 carries. I could see him not touching the ball for the rest of the season and staying on IR. Just something we're going to need to monitor. If Carson is in, I would really try to find someone else because we do have Collins, Penny, enough guys to maybe make this a committee. And while Carson has been the lead guy in the past, we have seen stretches when these other guys have been healthy of them not giving Carson 
that true, you know, 20, 25 touch workload. And if he is playing through what they're calling like a chronic neck issue, you know, I could, why is he playing at all? I don't know, but I think yeah, I whether, it whether it's Carson or whether he's out and we have Alex Collins as the lead guy, I think we need to treat these guys more so as like an upside RB3. Like, Dwayne, who you said you had someone, you had said Antonio Gibson, like RB26. I think I'd rather play Gibson over Alex Collins this week, though. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I mean, I think like right now, I just kind of want to stay completely away from the Seattle exactly. backfield. Yeah, like if Car- Carson, even like if I've if I've got him on a couple of teams, like if I've got another option, I'm gonna try to not even use him, even if he's playing. Um, you know, if I don't have another option, obviously I'll use him. But if if I feel that way about Carson, then that means that's a definite trickle down. Like I don't even know who Elijah Penny is anymore. He's dead. <laughs> Rashad Penny, Dwayne, it's okay though. Um, looking at Russ though, I'm just happy he is back because he was playing really just unreal before the injury. PFF passing grade, fifth among 35 qualified quarterbacks, second in big time throw rate, first in yards per attempt, 9.6, fourth in just completion rate, and has yet to commit a turnover-worthy play as a passer. So please, for the love of God, Russ, I know it's not always in your control, but just throw DK Metcalf the ball a little bit more often. I mean, there we talked about just and Jefferson, it's been almost worse for Metcalf. He has two games this year with multiple touchdowns, and he only had six and five targets in those games. Like, you know, Dwayne, I got to play quarterback for one play in my life. I finally convinced the offensive coordinator to give me a seven-on-seven snap. I immediately threw a pick. I didn't see the safety coming over the top. But I don't know how you can play quarterback for 60 minutes, throw multiple touchdowns to a guy, and not be like, hey, maybe I should keep going back to him. So please, people, fewer than eight targets in four straight games. Let's get, I don't know, double that in one game. Let's see what happens. But either way, Metcalf Lockett, we are absolutely loving that Russ is back under center. You don't need me to tell you that. Now, I will say, this Green Bay pass defense, we know the run defense isn't great. 27th in yards before contact allowed per attempt. We've really seen them sure up the pass defense despite not having Jair Alexander. So when I see this, Dwayne, I don't think, oh, are the pack, you know, if like, how come with, o- I, don't, I can't keep relating everything back to OBJ. I'm sorry, people, but obviously. You're pulling no- a Dwayne right now. Like, <laughs> Obviously, nobody is sitting here saying the Packers are better off without Jair Alexander. So that's what made me think, like, why is their pass defense putting up good numbers and performing so well? I think a lot of it is just the teams they face. I mean, look, it's still a pretty small sample. We're in week 10, so a lot of these teams have only had eight games. And you look at who Green Bay has faced this year. Saints and Jameis in week one. But after that, the Lions, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Bengals, and Jamar Chase goes off, the Bears, Washington, the Cardinals with the Hurt Hopkins, and then a Chiefs team that we have seen, again, not look a single bit like their former selves in recent weeks. So we saw Jamar Chase go off. We saw Hopkins catch a huge gain and then just proceed to get hurt. Tyreek Hill last week could have probably had 160-plus yards with a little better accuracy from Mahomes on the two deep shots where he got behind the defense so I am not worried a bit about the secondary as long as we got Russ DK and Lockett out there and healthy which they are Dwayne I'm just hoping that Rodgers can do his thing because my goodness this Green Bay offense was atrocious last week and if Rodgers isn't in there that's where we can get the potential for Russ to only have to throw the ball 20 or so times yeah we definitely need Rodgers for this game you know um, when you look at the Packers like there's really not a ton here for me to hit Ian because everybody knows it's a condensed offense right you know obviously if Rodgers plays 
this week, um, you know, he's going to be a low end QB one, but you know, he's going to carry that upside to be in a shootout, right. With Russ, you know, where he could be in the top three quarterbacks for the week. And we would all be not surprised, right. At all. You know, now Ian, Robert Tunyon, did I get that right? Yeah. He is out for the season. We already hit it, but I had to work that in there because that is a weird one to me. Like it's never made any sense to me. So just spell it with a U. I don't care. Tunyon like Funyon. Tunyon like Funyon. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, but looking at, you know, the rest of this offense, you know, age, you know, Aaron Jones right now, um, man, like everything looks right from the utilization, but for whatever reason, like it just, you know, like the snaps are good. 65%, the rushing attempts, he's still getting over half of them routes still around 60% targets at 15% on the season. He said 16%, 32%, 6% over the last three weeks targets for route run. All of it's good. So look, here's the thing with Jones. Like he's still due like for some more huge weeks. I, it's a weird thing. It's like, when I look at his utilization, I'm like, okay, everything's fine. Like this is the role I expect him to be in. But I feel like every time I look up damn screen while I'm watching the games, I'm like, AJ Dillon's in there. And then when I go look at the utilization, I'm like, oh, AJ Dillon wasn't in there that much. Like he was in there about, you know, what I would have expected him to be in there. But anyway, so the, the, the moral of the story is, you know, Aaron Jones still in the top 10 RBs for me. You know, I got him a little bit lower this week because running back strength schedule, it's a 3.6 out of 10, which is a bottom five matchup for the week. And we've got a minus 26 offensive line run blocking advantage for the week thanks to a few injuries. So we'll have to keep an eye on that throughout the rest of this week. That could be something that changes. Um, but yeah, so with Aaron Jones still in the top 12 and then AJ Dillon um, right now, Ian, I've got him at running back 37 on the week. If you look at him over the last several weeks, he's been 57, 39, 18. Um, he's at 41 on the season. So I've got him about right where his average is, you know, but if you look at him, he's, he's handling about 34% of the rushing attempts on the season, not getting targeted that often in the passing game. You know, really still more their closer. Um, but over the last couple of games, the difference is he has started to carve out some of the short down and distance work. He's handled 50%. And then last week, 100% of the short down and distance. So that's the other change for Aaron Jones, where he had been handling most of that. So now on the season, it's actually AJ Dillon at 58% of the short down and distance and 50% to Aaron Jones. So something that we'll just keep an eye on, but that that's a big thing for Dillon, because if that gives it before, basically it was like, Hey, we're going to give you 30% of the carries and we're just going to pull you out once we get inside the 10 and we're not going to throw you the ball. That's not a very valuable role, but if it's going to be a situation where we're going to do all those things we just said, but now we're going to give you the carries inside the five, you know, and you're going to get half of those. Well, then that makes AJ Dillon. It gives him a chance to score more touchdowns, which puts him in a better spot from a flex standpoint, if you need to utilize him. So there's a little more upside now moving forward with AJ Dillon. If that utilization persists, uh, Devonte Adams, I don't, you guys don't mean to say <laughs> top five wide receiver cornerback matchup. And he is the, you know, love of Aaron Rodgers' passing game. So like you just go with it. Nobody on the tight ends to mention last week, it was a complete mess. Like they just really rotated three guys. They didn't really even utilize them. In fact, they use 11 personnel. Um, so it actually allowed Randall Cobb to stay on the field more. And it looks like Cobb is staying out there and Lazard's playing outside. MVS is the one still having to try to figure out how does he crack the lineup and work his way back onto the field. I just, it's weird, man. Cause we've seen Jones when Devonte Adams is out, they really start using him as a receiver and he thrives. But now really the last two most prominent times this has happened, they just proceed to ignore him in the passing game afterwards. He had that monster game in 2019 against the chiefs, 159 receiving yards, two touchdowns. He had four targets combined over the next three weeks. 
Two weeks ago, 11 targets, seven catches, 51 yards, like was basically the sole source of offense for the Packers against the Cardinals. We had Cobb getting the short touchdowns, but what happens last week? Two targets, no receptions. So when you got to talk out, a lot about matchups on that team and, yeah. and the linebackers that they're facing, you know, you've, I've actually heard Rogers talk about that two or three times, you know, yeah. over in different instances, you know, over the past, like two to three years with Aaron Jones. So there's something going on with the way they look at matchups. Um, that's probably, you know, dictating a lot of this. Rogers has more football knowledge and like his toenails and I have my entire body. I'm sure there's a good schematic reason, but just again, box score watching with it. It's just like, man, you just saw the guy have all the success. I don't know. Eagles at the Broncos. Denver sitting as two and a half point favorites. Game total at 44. Only Steelers Lions is lower in week 10. Chilling hurts people. Top 12 QB in 11 of 13 starts. Both times he didn't. He was pulled before the fourth quarter. I'm not like actively expecting him to get benched for Gardner Minshew. Like he has not been the problem recently. Yes, they have gone away from a pass first offense and they are really just running the hell out of the ball. Just 31 total pass attempts for Hertz over the past two weeks. But I feel like as someone that you haven't exactly surrounded with a bunch of high end pieces, he has performed at least kind of league average level, like what you'd expect in this situation. So as long as Hurts keeps the job, continue to fire him up as a weekly QB1. I think you'd be hard-pressed to name more than seven or eight or so guys ahead of him. That rushing floor just remains a cheat code in fantasy land. With the running backs, discussed it on the waiver wire pod, but yeah, Miles Sanders out for at least another week with that ankle injury. Jordan Howard, probably the dart. You know, if the, if the guy that I sent over to your house, Dwayne, to ask about Washington, if he comes over to my house and asks about Jordan Howard versus Boston Conference game well I probably would say Jordan Howard but believe me I would not feel good about it and I probably start you know saying my goodbyes to those I care about guys this episode's getting dark man that's on me uh and then with the uh everyone else Dallas Goddard loving him top eight tight end and I know we haven't really gotten the booms just yet out of him but the uses continues to look just fine should have had a 50-yard touchdown in the first drive last week unfortunately Hurts sailed it on him so go with Goddard if it's a close start sit question with Devontae Smith, I think I'll probably be going with the other guy this week. Denver, as we just saw against the Cowboys, certainly not a pushover even without Von Miller. And I just think the way Vic Fangio has consistently performed, you know, just being, I think, one of the better defensive minds in the league, we've seen a lot of passing offenses struggle really over the past two years, particularly some of the younger quarterbacks. So top 12D against wide receivers. The volume, it looks great on the rates and everything, but when we're only having potentially seven to 20 total pass attempts, we got to keep in mind that uh, that's going to be an issue compared to some of these more pass happy offenses. So, Devontae, as great as last week was, and again, like, you know, I, I posted a tweet, told you guys I was going to go back and look at the all 22. It was just as good as I expected. Route running's crisp, but it's looked crisp all season. I think there's enough concerns about the matchup and the volume to still not be able to really budge him past that middling wide receiver three territory. So, fire up Hurts, Howard if you need to, feeling good about Goddard. Good, not great with Devontae Smith. Dwayne, can we just get some sort of isolation in Denver? We got good players everywhere, but they each have someone else eating into their opportunity. Yeah, this, this is where Aaron Rodgers is going, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's just like for it's yeah. going to be Kellen Moore from the Cowboys coming to there to be the coach. And it's oh, I like that call. Impaired with Aaron Rodgers with freaking. Now they got to re sign Sutton, but Judy, t- dude, what would Aaron Rodgers turn Tim Patrick into? <laughs> 
Demarius I, Thomas. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Albert O is better than any tight end on the Packers, right? And he's the backup to Noah Fant. And we're sitting here with Teddy Bridgewater, who's thrown for 300 yards twice this season, and only because you made him eat his vegetables. I, I just <laughs> see Teddy Bridgewater as a kid sitting there at the table, and they're like, no, Teddy, you're passing for 300 yards. You eat your spinach. You open your <laughs> mouth up. You're going to do it. Like, come on. Like, it's it's just a situation where – and it's not just on Teddy. Look, I mean, it's on the way they want to run this offense, the way they want to run this team. And so there's a lot of things that trickle down to equaling the Denver Broncos having all these star players and not being able to truly get them going. And one of those things being is they also have two really good running backs that they do want to get the ball to, you know, in. And so for Melvin Gordon and for Javonta Williams, this is actually their best matchup of the year. Last week I said it was their best matchup of the year, and it worked out really great. We nearly had both of them hit 100 yards. You did have Javante over 100, but you have Gordon also, you know, scoring the touchdowns. I mean, if you look at them last week, you know, you could use them both in fantasy and feel really good about it. They've both been usable, but like they were really usable last week. Yeah. So this is the best matchup that we've seen for them on the season from a running back strength of schedule standpoint. It was brutal the first several weeks. Um, so this one's a 7.2 out of 10. So these are two players that will be, you know, borderline RB. They're going to be just past my RB2, but they'll be right there on the fringe of where they could easily sneak in there. I mean, when you look at Melvin Gordon, what's crazy about it, right, you know, is over the last three weeks, like, you could just be starting him, you know, as your low end RB one, like the guy keeps scoring touchdowns, getting used enough in the passing game where it all works out for him. Um, but, you know, I don't know how long he can keep that going um, because the the splits are still pretty close. Like we're seeing Javante Williams get a lot of this work. So it's kind of random, like who's ending up in the game at the right time to score because they're both seeing long down distance. They're both seeing two minute offense. They're both seeing carries inside the five. So I could see some of that, even though Gordon does get slightly more work in, we could see that slightly swing back to Javante and not just because we want it to, because that's just the randomness of it. But both are in play for this week. But yeah, for Gordon, his last three games, PPR running back 25, 6, 9. Man, he's running back 15 on the season right now. Melvin Gordon is. Isn't that crazy? He's been good. He is an above yeah. average running back, but the ceiling is so damn tantalizing for Javante. That's why he's getting slandered out there on the old Twitter sphere. Dwayne, one yeah, thing. And it's not even about slandering Gordon, but just knowing <laughs> you're in a timeshare and an yeah. offense and where we know they're basically equal. And for in an offense that's eh, it's okay, right? And for him to be ranked 15, it's just saying a lot. I mean, Williams is at 23 right now on the season. So, I mean, they're both in good shape. What were you about to say again? Sorry. I was, uh, so the Broncos have a week 11 bye. You know, we talked about this with Michael Carter and it came to fruition. I don't think Javante is necessarily on the verge of taking over this backfield, but if it were to happen, it would make sense if it happens after that week 11 bye. And after that, Chargers, Chiefs, Lions, Bengals, Raiders, Chargers again up until week 17. You know, I think I saw a tweet from, you know, the godfather of the fantasy industry, Matthew Barry, just pointing out that Javante, if for the love of God, he gets freed by the end of the year. Could be what the kids like to call a league-winning asset. Chiefs. Yeah, that was a re that was a retweet of a Dwayne tweet. Oh, that's why I saw it. I'm just always on the answer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, whatever. When you get a Matthew Berry retweet, it is funny because you're like, oh wow, look how popular he is. <laughs> <laughs> All this, and, 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 and then you just like start as like you'll get like just some replies that like are completely about nothing about football, and people are just like trying to chase like, a, a viral tweet. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird uh, world we're living in these days. Yeah. Sunday night yeah, football. So yeah, go ahead. Oh, wait, no, just real quick. On the Denver Broncos, uh, pass receivers. So yeah. wide receiver strength of schedule, 3.5. So it's a below average matchup. Actually, some might call that bad. 
Um, and we've talked about this a couple of times, but it's just really tough right now. We talked about Teddy, right? And so when you've got a quarterback that's only thrown for over 300 yards twice on the season, and you've got Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and now you're probably getting Noah Fant back, and Albert O, if he's healthy enough, could be out there. It's like there's just so many mouths to feed, Ian, and, and they're they're all great talents, right, in their own right. But I'll have Jerry Judy. Right now I've got him sitting at wide receiver 33. I've got Sutton sitting at wide receiver 37. I've got Tim Patrick at wide receiver 48. And then Noah Fant, you know, he'll be borderline tight end one, you know, just because, you know, we know the talents there. But, like, it, and this won't work out, right, this way. One of these guys is going to go off. But, like, when you're ranking them, it's hard to have conviction around which one, and there isn't anything really driving me towards just one of these plays this week. These are the guys where like people will probably like curse us out on Sunday at, you know, eight after one of them goes off and we rank them too low. But nobody before the game is done will have anything to say because, like you said, impossible to feel too good about them when everything is as muddled as it is, especially with Teddy Two Gloves under center. But Teddy played a great game last week. Maybe he'll keep it going. Chiefs at the Raiders Sunday night football. KC, two and a half point favorites still, despite how much they've been slipping. And on the road, game total at 51 and a half down from 53 and a half. Obviously, everyone, we're trying to figure out what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes. The one stat I have found this week that I do think helps quantify what we're seeing is that it used to be so inevitable when Mahomes would break the pocket, start scrambling around, and just launch that ball downfield. You just expected Tyreek Hill to not only be open, but catch it, go score his touchdown, maybe it's Kelsey. The off-script nature of this offense was always a cheat code, and we can see that with some of our advanced metrics here. So with our PFF passing grade, we can do that by what read was he thrown to? Was it his first read, or is it his next read, scramble, drill, check down type area? So his PFF passing grade when not targeting his first read. In 2018, he was first among 42 quarterbacks. 2019, he was eighth. 2020, he was fourth. This year, Mahomes, when not targeting his first read, 36th among 40 qualified quarterbacks in PFF passing grade. It's been miserable. It seems like, and we can see going back through the game, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, there are moments where he just seems unsure of himself more than ever about when he wants to take the easy play and when he wants to try to go downfield. You know, Travis Kelsey getting wide open over the middle, showing some signs of frustration when he's not getting the ball as Patrick is just gunning it down there. So I really have a hard time believing one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play for a three-year stretch is going to keep being in this sort of a but, but hey, man, going up against the number one pass, or not pass defense, but pressure defense in terms of team uh, PFF pressure grade isn't exactly the sort of get right spot that you could hope for. Black hole, it's going to be loud. We'll see, man. I, again, I. I feel like it's just a matter of when, not if, Mahomes in this offense gets back to humming. But certainly, I mean, they have not been anything like what we pictured in recent weeks. You're still starting Mahomes. You're still starting Tyreek Hill. You're still starting Travis Kelsey. But we obviously would like to see them start putting up the sort of bonkers numbers that we drafted them to have back in August. Now at the backfield, Dwayne, we did a good job last week with this. We told everyone, chill out. Derek Gore, he had a great drive. That's it. What happened last week? Darrell Williams racked up 23 combined carries and targets. And that's really been the story of the past month. 25, 9, 19, and 23 combined carries and targets. His snap rates have fallen a little bit, but he is still 
the undisputed lead back in a Chiefs offense that, again, I just don't think can stay this bad for too much longer. So not going crazy with him, but yes, Daryl Williams, you can continue to fire up as a solid low-end RB2. Maybe you can rank 24-25 guys ahead of him. I'd be surprised if it's going to be too much more. The Raiders have allowed at least 110 rushing yards in all but one game this year. And as sad as it is to say, Dwayne, like their rushing attack in Kansas City has actually been kind of the one source of consistent offense they've had. You know, why are they having so much trouble? Teams are forcing them. They're devoting extra resources to secondary, forcing them to check down. I think it makes sense that the running game would also be helped by having less defenders in the box to worry about. So here's the hoping this offense could become a lot more fun because my goodness, first we had that Giants game. Then we had the freaking... Uh, Packers game last week. It reminds me of like when the Cowboys were just terrible last year with Andy Dalton, but we still had them in all these primetime games. But it's not the Andy Dalton Cowboys. It's Patrick Mahomes and the freaking Chiefs. So please, like for watchability's sake even, get it together, guys. <laughs> with that said, Dwayne, the Raiders, I know it was a bad week for Derek Carr. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We've seen him have a couple bad weeks this year. By and large, he's been fantastic. And Credit to the Chiefs for shutting down the Packers and Jordan Love, but come on, man. This should be a nice week for the Raiders' offense. Yeah, I think this is a good spot. So Carr's going to be borderline QB you know, 12 for me. Right now I've got him just outside that, but he belongs in that group. Um, we got a potential for a matchup, matchup you know, that's going to be a shootout. So you did mention, you know, like we need Kansas City to do their thing, like and who knows when that's going to happen. And we may not see the version that we were used to of Kansas City doing their thing every single week as defenses really adapt. And they figured out, like at this point, like the ball's in the Chiefs court, right? Teams have said, okay, we know what we need to do to beat you, and we're just going to keep doing it until you can show us you can do something else that can overcome it. And right now, to this point, the Chiefs, for whatever reason, have been stymied. You know, you would think, and Andy Reid and with Patrick Mahomes, like, they're going to get something figured out. Like, Andy Reid's been coaching too long. Like, he's he's seen two high safeties and all this kind of stuff, like, his whole, you know, career. Like, he's seen different iterations of this. So I think they will eventually get it going. But that's what we need to really unleash, you know, the the Vegas offense, you know, just because it's a situation where they don't always like keep the pedal to the metal like some teams. Like they kind of play with the game script. Um and so from a standpoint of that, like if it can get going, there's a lot of upside, like you said, for Derek Carr in the game. The matchup is not great, but it's not bad. Um and it's one of these where I look at it on paper and I kind of throw it all out. Like it has the potential just to shoot out and that's really what you're looking for. When you look at Josh Jacobs, he got back into action after the bye weekend. And, man, he was really doing some nice things. He was in and out of this game um, three different times um, with different injuries. But he did finish the game, so we'll have to keep an eye on him in the on the injury report. But what was nice is, you know, we didn't have really hardly any use from Jalen Rashard. It was really just him and Kenyon Drake. So that was nice to have that isolated. He handled 65% of the rushing attempts last week. You know, he actually finished as the RB 16. Had he not getting, had he not gotten banged up, he had a shot at a top, you know, at a top 12 finish for the first time in a bit, you know, this season. I know he's a guy that you were looking at two or three weeks ago telling folks, hey, this could be a potentially good buy. I think that still holds true now that we've gotten through the bye week. But you, if you look at his missed tackles force per attempt last week, third 0.38, he's at 0.23 on the season. Yards after contact look really strong. Explosive run rate, a little below what we want, but still solid at an 11%. It's much better than like an Antonio Gibson. So I think, get, you know, Jacobs, the key for him, man, is just, you know, staying healthy. But the matchup is great. If you look at the strength of schedule, 
it's the number three matchup on the slate for running backs. Um, offensive line run blocking advantage is not great right now for the Raiders, but it is a juicy matchup. So I'll have this probably be one of the weeks where I've got Jacobs higher than what I normally got him right now. I've got him at RB six, or actually I've got him at RB 15 right now. So he's just outside my top 12 running backs for Josh Jacobs. Talk about the passing game. Really only need to talk about two players. Talk about now Brian Edwards is playing all the time, but he's not demanding targets. We'll have to see with Deshaun Jackson. Let's see what, you know, how quickly he steps into filling some of that role that's left behind as the field stretcher. Um, but we don't even know how many snaps, right? He's going to play. And it's going to be something where they're going to rotate him in and out. I could see Jackson having a big game or two. Like he could have a blow up game. Like Derek Carr's proven that he can push the ball down the field. We just need to see how quickly Jackson can acclimate and he can he stay healthy if he's given a larger workload. So for now, it's really just more about Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. So Renfro, if you look at him, this is another one that's kind of like, wow, wide receiver 30 on the season. Last week, he was wide receiver 10. And this is a player that never really gets up over like 75% of the routes. He's literally only out there and 11 personnel staying in the slot. His role hasn't really expanded because of other players being gone. He's just doing his thing. He's really good at his role, though. And Derek Carr likes him. So his targets per route run, 24%. So that does help a little bit that he's got a higher TPRR, despite the fact that he doesn't have as many routes. But if you look at Renfro this week, he operates again, like we talked about earlier, um, in the slot. So the wide receiver matchup, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it is a situation where if we get a shootout, Renfro will be in a good spot. Really, the key one is just Darren Waller, man. You get tight end strength and schedule is a seven, which is the fourth best on the slate. So it's going to be kind of cool. We get to watch Waller go against Kelsey. So our top two tight end picks from beginning the season, they're going to be dueling it out. I have Waller as my tight end two on the week, just behind Kelsey with Kyle Pitts at three. So excited about the matchup for Waller. Waller has scored or gone for at least 100 yards each of his last three matchups against the Chiefs. If we can just get him three, four, maybe even just one target on Daniel Sorensen, good things will be happening. <laughs> Monday Night Football. Poor Daniel Sorensen. I know, man. I'm sorry, Daniel, if you're listening. <laughs> Rams at 49ers. Rams sitting as four-point favorites. Game total is at 48.5, up from 45.5. The worst we have seen Matthew Stafford look happened last week. First game, he took more than two sacks. First game, he threw more than one pick. I'm inclined, like the Cowboys, letting it go. We've seen far more good than bad. Continue to fire him up right there in that low end of QB1 range. And no, he has weekly 300 passing yard and three touchdown upside. And Dwayne, I'm just happy that Robert Woods, our guy, Bobby Trees, is killing it. I will say, people, let's not cheat ourselves here because with some of these teams not having had buys, you can start to skew stats a little bit. So I'm not naming names, but I don't want to hear about Woods being the wide receiver 12 in fantasy this year because you're basically discrediting all the guys that have had to have bye weeks so far. He's the wide receiver 23 in PPR points per game. That's great, and it's a huge improvement on what we've seen uh, since the bad start. Top 12 wide receiver in three of the last five weeks after, again, just that infamously bad start to the season. Yeah. So uh, that was my tweet, so that's fine. I'll own it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, no, I, I, I posted, you know, about Woods because he's he's been in the top 12 the last two weeks. And then now no, he's, he's, it, he's the wide receiver 12 on the season. It, it really wasn't you. Yeah, but, but I, I did have the same tweet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, man, shame on you then. What are you doing? Yeah, You're shame better than on that. Me. No, I, no uh, my, my bigger point is just like, wow, like who would have thought, like is in the doghouse as we've seen <laughs> Woods, right? It's like to look up and be like, 
okay, wow, like he's wide receiver 12 right now. And it just made sense because top 12 finished the last two weeks. And, oh, yeah, he's wide receiver 12 right now on the season. So Wow, I'm a dick. <laughs> oh, I don't care. Someone, someone must have stole it from you. Wow, this is the, the plot thickens here. Well, well so yeah, it's a really tough tweet to come up with, to look up where he's at on the season and tweet it out. <laughs> Oh my goodness. What what an electric end to this podcast. Either way, people, we are feeling great about the artist known as Bobby Trees moving forward. And like that's what that's that's the that's the general point here. Like Dwayne, where do you have him ranked this week? I would assume top twenty pretty easily. Yeah, I've got Woods right now for this week. Uh I've got him at twenty-four. We are not on the same page in this game, but that's okay. 24-20, you all could imagine. Get him in the starting lineups. And we can also feel a lot better about Van Jefferson now. At least six targets in five of the last seven games. Look, he's not ever going to displace Bobby Trees or Cooper Cup as Zaffer's top two options, but he's someone with a high average target depth. He's getting a deep shot or two per game. You could do a hell of a lot worse in some of these deeper leagues if you happen to be able to scoop him off, need someone to throw in the flex. Feeling good about that. And, you know, old man Josh Norman out there still not sure he can hang with them. Even the own 49ers defenders were screaming at Josh Norman last week. Jefferson might give them more reasons to do so after this one. Cooper Cup. Just, you know, we, we don't need to spend a bunch of time talking about these great guys. Everyone knows it. So quickly, his pace this year, 17-game pace, 140 catches, 1,925 yards, 19 touchdowns. Calvin Johnson's best year, 122 catches, 1,965 yards. Somehow only scored five touchdowns that year. Must have been down. To sir, one sir, are you run. adjusting, Ian? Are you adjusting for the 16 versus the 17 game season? No, I'm being a dick here. Oh, now look at you! Right wow. after, right after I chastised <laughs> you and others for doing the same. That was awesome. You so walked right into that. I love you. <laughs> I have lived long enough to become a villain. Final point, Tyler Higby. We're free- Two final points. My goodness. Tyler Higby, <laughs> we're feeling okay enough as the borderline tight end one. But Dwayne, like more and more, like the way you said it earlier, like we just have so many good options popping up. Like, yeah, I'm going to play guys like Pat Fryermuth ahead of him if they continue to have this featured role. Obviously, the Washington guys will be falling and things of that nature. But Higby, just someone that certainly doesn't need to be jammed in the starting lineups at this point. Finally, Daryl Henderson. Keep an eye on the injury report. He was able to return from that ankle injury. Uh, as Dwayne and I discussed on the waiver pod, do not be afraid to devote a bench spot to Sony Michelle because he will be instantly one of the hot, he will be the head cover photo on every waiver wire article. If anything happens to Henderson, we are talking a legitimate Pollard Madison handcuffed talent there just because Henderson is one of his nine running backs averaging more than 17 expected PPR points per game. So true workhorse role. He'll continue to have it. You're continuing to start Henderson each and every week. No standalone value for Sony, but league winning value should something happen to Daryl Henderson. Dwayne, I, I hope you can do a better job with the 49ers than I just did uh, with the Rams. Save my worst for last, but go off, buddy. <laughs> It happens, you know. Yeah, Jimmy G, man. What's up with Jimmy G? We've got uh, two top eight finishes over the last two games. Uh, He's been sixth and eighth. Uh, Yeah, I know some of that's been from rushing touchdowns. But you guys know Jimmy G is an awesome rusher inside the five. Um, But it's a situation where, Ian, like here's what I will say with Garoppolo. You know, you get into a game like this where you know you're going to have to score points against the Rams. I know the implied total is low for the Niners at 22.5 right now. The game isn't projected to be a blowout. 
up, right? It's a four point, you know, they're four point dogs to the Rams. And so when I look at Garoppolo, here's the positive thing, right? We've seen, and I'm not like by any means advocating for Jimmy G as the rest of the season, like top, you know, 12 quarterback. But what we have seen is he can get in. This is probably more of a DFS thing than anything, but we've seen that he can get into these games and where they have to, when they have everyone healthy, when you have a Debo Samuel, when you've got a Brandon Ayuk doing his thing, when you've got the running game with Elijah Mitchell going, you've got one of the top three tight ends in the league, you know, Kittle's a mismatch against any safety, you know, any linebacker that you put him against, especially whenever you're doing all this play action and these linebackers are worried about their run fits. And then here goes Kittle running right by them. And Oh, by the way, if you don't pay attention to him in the run game, he will completely pancake your ass. So like when you have all these things really going well, like, you can have these big games where these where these quarterbacks like Jimmy G, we've talked about it before with Baker Mayfield. No, we won't say Kirk Cousins' name anymore. We'll take him out of that conversation. But you have these kind of guys that can really have these blow-up weeks, and it's hard to predict it week after week. Um, and this is a really tough matchup for Jimmy G. You know, if you look at the quarterback strength schedule, it is actually the second toughest on the week. And if you look at the offensive line pass blocking advantage, minus 46 is the second toughest. But just keeping an eye on Jimmy G, like rest of season, like when the when the weapons are healthy and the Niners are forced to get into a situation where they need to score points or they get behind, those are the games where you can see Jimmy G go off. Or you can even see ahead, like he, he may not even hit 300 yards passing, but he can throw for three or four touchdowns just because of the weapons around him so just something to keep an eye on for this week no i'm not saying jimmy g's a must start so that's probably way too long to spend on him but <laughs> i just had to get it out there so i've got him right now sitting at quarterback 17 on the week he's in my tier four down there with two uh down with titty bridgewater so guys that have weapons right you just need the right script like for things to happen right and for them to get it going you look at the running game this week this is a tough matchup all the way around elijah mitchell draws the toughest running back strength of schedule um, also draws a zero on the offensive line run blocking advantage a zero now you can score negative on that so it's not quite the worst but it's in the bottom both of those are in the bottom five obviously the running back strength of schedule is the worst but mitchell man he's just played so well you know and it's not like you're going to move him to your bench. You know, his explosive play rate is sitting at 19% on the season. The last three weeks, man, 22%, 28%, 25% of this guy's carries are going for 10 yards or more. So, like, they've really got the running game in a groove right now. And Elijah Mitchell's taking full advantage of that. Uh, we saw Jeff Wilson return. He was just the backup last week. So, it does appear that this is Mitchell's role. Jamichael Hasty's going to handle the passing down work. Tough matchup. But I've got Elijah Mitchell this week at running back 18 so far in. So, which still isn't bad. I mean, it's a tough matchup. Last week, I had him in my top 12 in a better matchup. This week, he gets a little bit of a bump down. What does that mean? He's going to score four touchdowns this weekend, and everybody can tell me the matchups don't matter. And I'll just say, you know what? You're right. They don't. And then Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, talked about that threesome just a second ago. But just real quick for folks um, that may not have got to hear the waiver wire show. So Brandon Ayuk, look, the last two weeks, 97% of the routes, 94% of the routes. Targets per route run, 26% and 19%. Targets, 27% and 22%. So we're talking about a player that really is back. 50% of the end zone targets each of the last two weeks. 38% of the third or fourth down targets last week from Jimmy Garoppolo. He finished wide receiver five. Really, the utilization was there the week before, finished wide receiver 54. That's why we care about utilization. It can give us the heads up on these things, you know, a week, two weeks before they really happen. 
we see the players truly involved. But it's nice to see Ayuk back. So I'm going to ask you, Ian. I know we talked about it a little bit, but like I haven't moved Debo down a bunch, but I did bump him just a little bit. Number one, I want to see if he's healthy. We know we've got the calf issue, but you've got all three of these guys now. Um, now Debo's been huge all year. If you look at him on the season, still at a 31% target share, one of only five, only one of five receivers that are over 30% target share on the season. So he's still an elite company. And last week it wasn't bad, man. He got 22% of the targets and these guys really have different roles. Ayuk is working further down the field. Debo's working more intermediate and at the line of scrimmage, eight out of 8.4. Last week you had Ayuk at a 13.3. So they have different roles at the working, but I did pull back a little bit on Debo knowing that look, you get into a game where the 49ers can run or they do get ahead and they split up this work three ways instead of two, you just don't have as much upside. And we did get several weeks there where Samuel was literally the only game in town. We didn't have Kittle or IU doing anything. So we have to think it's going to matter a little bit. So your thoughts on that real quick, and then I'll hit Kittle. I don't think he's like top five, top eight, like we were going crazy with before. Deservingly so. He was putting up bonkers numbers. But even with like the somewhat reduced usage with Ayuk coming on, he has 18 combined targets over the past two weeks. Remains such a threat with the ball in his hands. And for him to have that, was it a rib issue going, going to last week? No, that was Mitchell. Calf. 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 Debo had the calf issue and he comes out and he plays 92% of the snaps. So now I think Debo, you know, even if we want to bump him down a little bit, like he's still an every week starter. So at that point, it is yeah, he's an every week starter, but I mean, we've been, you know, we're talking about the current wide receiver four overall. So right now I put him fair. as a low end wide receiver one for the rest of the season. That's with fair. just if everybody's healthy. Um, so this week right now I've got Debo Samuel as wide receiver 10. Um, so that's basically right where I just said I had him. I've got Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 36. So he, I, and I intentionally did that. I got him inside my top 36 for the weekend. So I had him borderline. I still got to work a couple things around, but I feel comfortable putting him in there as that low end wide receiver three for the week. And then George Kittle, um, tough matchup, um, but you don't really care. It's George Kittle and they're going to put, you know, the Rams as good as they are, they can still put them in a bind with all the play action and things that I talked about. So Kittle, I will have in my top four tight ends for the week um regardless you know of the matchup well he'll be top five sorry i thought i had four he's in the top five only thing i want to add here just a fun stat i found with jimmy g yes you're correct he's put up some nice fancy points over the last two weeks and he hasn't had his full complement of weapons but it's just too good of a stat to pass up because the worst quarterback this season in pfs big time throw rate metric is jimmy garoppolo also the worst quarterback this season in pfs turnover worthy play rate metric jimmy garoppolo Free Trey Lance. Let's see what we have. Why not? Dwayne, only other thing we got to quickly talk about and not even really talk about, but I'll bring it up because it just got released, is that Sam Darnold, after two days of testing, exams have revealed that he has a fractured scapula. The right shoulder injury will most likely lead to Darnold missing several weeks per Ian Rappaport. And Rappaport added that is an incomplete fracture for Sam Darnold. So can't even complete a fracture. <laughs> Got him. And sorry for banging on the table, uh, people out there. We've worked on that. But <laughs> don't don't pull off the rope. Too, uh, too classic of a moment not to. That's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us. As always, go check out Dwayne's Utilization Report over there on PFF.com. And hey, if you don't have a subscription, we 
you, well, you are in luck because you can get 25% off any PFF subscription. If you use code FANTASY, you can get all that locked article content, weekly player rankings, strength of schedule tool, betting dashboards, our great power projections and cover probabilities, and much more. Again, support the podcast, become a smarter fantasy and real-life football fan using promo code FANTASY for 25% off any PFF subscription. And also NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on an NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win 200 big ones in free bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win a promo code PFF this week. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey and Denver, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. At $1 wager, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And also, folks, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Allen Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both in every football or financial question. You ask earns you a chance to win a cater party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collins with podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. You can submit those questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, at Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, hey, we are trying to do a better job with the timestamps. I've, you know, see some of the YouTube comments, and that does seem to be the bulk of the complaints. So we have a team working to improve those. Sometimes they are a little bit late just getting out there. You know, we're recording our big game-by-game -game breakdown Sunday night. So if, you know, you go, go on Monday morning, they might not be there. But if you want to go check back in, usually Monday afternoon, Monday evening, we can't get those if you want to just jump around to certain teams. Same thing with this podcast as well so always trying to improve and please feel free twitter dms mentions mentions i'll almost uh, see all of them but truly people we are trying to be here for you so any compliments non-compliments you just want to tell us we suck you want to tell us how we can get better whatever always here for constructive criticism let's try and make it constructive i guess I, I appreciate if you don't tell me we suck without any help but Dwayne, that's all i got anything else you want to get off your chest no man the constructive criticism is great like you know <laughs> Uh, and look, we're always trying to improve on everything we're yeah. doing. Like I'm constantly on Twitter trying to get feedback on the utilization report and hearing like what, what is folks looking for. So we really do appreciate it. So, and we appreciate you guys giving your time and spending it with us. Look at me. I spent some time with Sigmund Bloom earlier today. And I, I feel like, I, you know, you just, you just love the world more after you spend time with Sigmund Bloom. So yeah, awesome. keep, keep the feedback coming. We appreciate you guys. Check out the utilization report. Check out all of Ian's work tomorrow on the site. Love Sig, love all the football guys and everything they have done over the years. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, which by the way, 10 questions with none other than a keep to leave this Thursday. Take care.